Hey everyone, welcome to Mouths of the Merrimack. I'm Captain Chris Velasquez here with Dandy Daddy. And today, guys, we got a really good friend of mine, special guest, uh, Mr. Peter Murray of Obsessed Charters in Plum Island, Massachusetts. How you doing today, Pete? I'm doing all right. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for coming out. No problem. So, Pete, how long have you been chartering in the Merrimack River? <laughs> uh, I did my first charter in 1979. 1979. How yeah. old were you then? Um, 18, 19. Oh, man. So 19. you just got right into it. Yeah. yeah. Did you grow up on the island fishing? Uh, yeah, I did with my dad. So, And then uh, when I was a freshman in high school, my dad took me out on a charter and I was like, that's it. School means nothing to me. This is going to be my life. I want to be a charter captain like this guy. You know? <laughs> so, and I made my first million by 22. So, it's like <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it's funny that you said school means nothing to you because where did you end up? Uh, yeah, I ended up being a school teacher. <laughs> <laughs> but just to get the summers off, right? Just to get the summers off. <laughs> it's not a good, it's not a bad deal, man. No, it's not. Nope. As, especially for the way our seasons kind of work around oh, here. Yeah. It yep. matches up perfect for the charter schedule. Yep. Um, what did you teach? Uh, phys ed. Is that nice? But in later years in New Report, you were teaching a boat building class, Oh, right? yeah, that's right. Yeah, like the last 10 years I was teaching. Um, the shop teacher had retired, and it was right next to the gym. And so principal said, you know, come up with something. You know, no bookshelves or birdhouses, but something unique to the area. So we did a little research and you know, came up with their little boat building class and a little history of shipbuilding in New Report. And, you know, they started with building little models, and then we built, like, 12-foot Bevan skiffs, and the kids really liked it. It was The class was full every year, so. That sounds like a great experience oh, for yeah. a kid in yeah. high school. I wish we had that in yeah. growing up. Yeah. <laughs> so would the whole class work on one boat? No, nah, I'd, I'd put them into groups, and we'd do four boats. And then the kids, like, the group, each group would decide at the end, like, if they wanted to sell it and split the money, or if they wanted, the kid wanted to keep it, and, you know, they, the, them and their friends would use it or whatever, so. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was what a do, lot of fun. What did the majority of kids do? Did they sell it or did they uh, keep um, it? It was like 50-50. Like half of them would sell it and then half of them would uh, would keep the boat. So I still, every time I'm driving around to Newburyport, I still see a couple of them like in people's backyards and stuff. Like, oh, remember that one? Oh, I built that one. <laughs> no so, kidding. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. What yeah. an experience that yeah. must have been. That's really cool. Were the boats powered or are they sailboats? Or? Uh, rowboats. But rowboats. I mean, it would take up to like a five horsepower. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. We'd take them down and, and water test them down at the Cashman Park at, in, you know, in May. And, uh, and then we also, when the seniors graduated, I had like a couple weeks left and the boats were already done by then. And I uh, had a couple small lathes and we started doing uh, turn-in lures and everything. And I obviously have a bunch of abundance of rod and reels, so I'd bring them in. And then same thing, we'd just walk down to Cashman Park and start casting stuff out and getting a few schoolies and stuff. So It's pretty nice. You had a whole crew of kids to get your charter season ready. Uh, yeah. I'm yeah. sure you had them tying leaders and things like that. <laughs> oh, we did, yeah. All the time in study hall, I had the whole assembly line going. <laughs> <laughs> now, Pete, so you've been fishing since 1979. And you and I have been pretty good friends now for about, oh, Jesus, probably close to 20 years. Oh, yeah. 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 So I, me and Pete have had a lot of conversations about what things were like back in the day. And it seems like the whole fishing that you guys used to do back then is completely different uh, than what we do now. Oh, yeah. It's changed a lot. Yeah. When I first got into it, I mean, the stripers season, I mean, the striper population had just bottomed out. It was all bluefish, and I mean, if you caught 15, 20 stripers a summer, you were like the top hook of the uh, the river. No kidding. Yeah. Yep. There was some big fish around, but very few. Yeah. So were you able to get bluefish kind of all summer long, or oh, was yeah. it really even like early June mm -hmm. to July? Yeah, they would come in in June and stay till end of September. I mean, you would get them all the way up in Amesbury in the river. 
Yeah, that and that's kind of like one thing I remember you telling me is like up by the uh, was it the Route One Bridge? You guys used oh, yeah. to troll yeah. bluefish up there during the summer. Yeah, yeah, that was absolutely wild. Yeah, yeah. When it was all pogies and stuff back then too, and yeah, I mean, when we first started fishing, there was like none of the boats were really equipped with like live wells or anything like that. It was like you know you just took like a a bucket and threw some in and just kept changing some water just to keep them going. You know. Yeah. So without the live, because we're so predominantly live bait fishing now, what mm -hmm. were you guys doing back then? Uh, trolling a lot of uh, um, the big wooden plugs, like Goo Goo Eyes yep. um, was the big one, and then a bunch of Rapalas and, and Rebels. Have you done that recently at all? Ever tried it? Um, I dip my hand into it every once in a while, but yeah. it just seems to be like, <laughs> you know, whatever else is going on, they're hitting it, and that thing's just out there swimming like, what the hell's this? <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like they learn what's going on yeah. over the years. We saw that 30 or 40 years ago. We're not falling for it again. <laughs> <laughs> and then, geez, back then when you started chartering, there couldn't have been many other guides out there. No. Right? Not no. like today. No. There's a ton of them yeah, out there. I got a whopping $75 for my first trip. No kidding. Yeah. Well, with today's gas prices, <laughs> you're, not making, you're not even making it off the dock. No, no, not at all. Well, I'm sure that uh, just fishing platforms on boats have changed dramatically since then, too. So what was what was your first boat like? I uh, had a 19-foot uh, Aquasport center console. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, how how would you compare it to, to the fishability of your boat today? Um, well, I'm actually, I've kind of gone full circle. I'm, I'm back in a center console again now. Um, I've... <laughs> I can't even count how many boats I've had since then. Um, Pete, you can't even count how many boats you have now. <laughs> now, yeah, yeah, I, I have a, you know, I'm not called obsessed charters for uh, no reason, but uh, we have, I think, eight, eight or nine boats in my yard right now. It's kind of a mini boat yard. It makes my wife very happy. Um, but yeah, I've had like up to 28, 30 foot boats, and I'm back at a 25 footer. It seems to be like the right size. Yeah, I agree. For for our area, you know, anything between like twenty three and twenty six for how, how we fish and what we do is kind of the wheelhouse. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You can kind of go offshore. You can stay inside. Um, it's fuel efficient. Plenty of room for four to six guys. You know, yeah. especially your boat's huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, the twenty five Parker with that wide beam. Yeah. Uh, Fallon just got the same boat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's really excited about yeah. what he can yeah, do. It's a nice now. boat. I mean, it's been one of my favorites. I'm like. I won't get rid of that one. It's it's literally a dance floor, man. Yeah. The thing is, got so much space. Yeah. And yeah. it's built tough, you know, just like, you know, the old parkers used to be built. Yeah. Right? Yep. Actually, I saw uh, some at the boat show this year, and it kind of looks like they went back to their old school kind of layouts. Yeah. They took all the cushions and seats off, at least the ones they had on display. Mm -hmm. So that was nice to see. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's hard to find a good fishing boat it these is. days. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Yeah. We don't want all the bells and whistles. We just want it function. Yeah. Yep. I know, just the simpler the better. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I know, I know, we've had a couple of podcasts so far where we've talked about like people's electronics and things they have on the boat, and then now we got what, what yeah. are electronics again? <laughs> Pete, <laughs> Pete Murray is the ultimate sight fisherman when it comes <laughs> to, to using electronics. Um, can I tell a story about your mooring ball? Sure. <laughs> so. Um, Back when I first got my Parker, I, I got a, a new side scan uh, unit on it, and we had a big storm over the winter. And Pete used to keep his boat on a mooring, and the storm blew the mooring ball, ball off, right? Yeah. And so he calls me up one day. I was working in Newburyport at the time. And uh, he goes, hey, get your fancy schmancy electronics, and uh, <laughs> let's go find my mooring block. I'm like, oh, God, we're going to be out here all day. So pick Pete up. 
we go, we head towards uh, Captain's Fishing Party's docks where his, uh, where his mooring is. And I just remember pulling up to it, slowing down, being like, oh, this is going to take forever. So I got my new fancy schmancy side scan on, my down imaging. And Pete is just off. I'll never forget it. You're off the port side looking at land, not even looking at the fish finder. And you're just going, go forward. Go for it. Go to the left just a bit. And then he's looking. He's like got one eye closed, like licking his finger for the wind, you know. <laughs> and then he just goes, okay, should be right about here. And I look down at my fish finder, and there's the little bump of the mooring. Perfect. We got it in one snack. It took all of 30 seconds. <laughs> so that was always a joke with Pete growing up that uh, his little fish finder was an Etch-a-Sketch, but he doesn't even need it because this guy's a magnet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Same thing, other captains, like as yourself, you call me like, you know, where are you now? What are you fishing? And, you know. Most captains would look and give you the coordinates on their GPS, whatever. I'm like, I am about a mile off the house with the green roof. Yeah. <laughs> I'm by a blue and white lobster trap. The one with the flag. The one with the flag on it. Oh, Chris, was Pete the one you were telling me the funny story about the image that was actually on his fish finder and you were trying to find a certain spot that he oh, was yeah. talking about? I'll let Pete tell that story with you and Gabe when you went mackerel fishing that time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That was when I first got the Parker. And again, I'm not big into electronics. It came with, you know, the electronics it came with. And I turned the GPS on and it was just a big blank screen. So I'd be like, oh, it's broken. It doesn't work, whatever, you know. And uh, we were going out mackerel fishing. There's like three humps about three or four miles offshore I was trying to get to. And Gabe immediately goes to the GPS and puts it on. Like, aren't you going to use that? And I'm like, ah, I think it's broken. It doesn't work. And so we're driving out, driving out. And Gabe's like, well, can I play with it? You know, you know, maybe I can get it to work. I'm like, hey, knock yourself out and I'm keep going, keep going. And then uh, get to the spot where I think I'm, I'm should be uh, right on it. And I said, all right, wait, you know, we're here. We start chumming. We're getting some mackerel. Gabe is still playing with the, uh, the GPS. All of a sudden he goes, oh, he's, it's zoomed away out. He goes, that's the problem. It's just showing a big white screen. So he starts getting the buttons back, whatever. I was like almost dead center in the three humps. And he was just like, you are a son of a... <laughs> <laughs> this is three miles off, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. So you just, I don't know. Did you just feel it down yeah. in your plums? Yeah, just kind of like, you know, I watch my watch and the compass and I get a certain amount of time and the speed. I'm like, yep, we are there. Old school, man. Yeah, yeah. Old school. That's awesome. Yeah, We don't have the... Uh, the um, was it at Salisbury Beach there on the way back in? You used to be able to see the roller coaster, you know. From oh, yeah. Shore, so yeah. That's gone, but yeah, you I got know. the water tower. So. You got the water tower. You got the, uh, you know, you got the little um, the stands where the uh, lifeguards go. Yeah. You got colleges with different colors <laughs> yeah. on top, you know. But when you head east, yeah. you don't really see that much. <laughs> oh. So what are you currently running for boats for your charter business? Um, we were running three boats. The Parker, I got a, we have a 25-foot privateer that Paul runs, and we had a 20-foot Mako. Um, and then last year, we um, we cut back to just the two boats. Now we're doing the, the privateer and the uh, Parker. Yeah, and the privateer is a special boat to you too, right? Yeah, yep. Actually, I had one for, God, years when uh, the kids were little, when I was chartering that. And then... Uh, Sold it like all my other boats and then regretted it, you know, a day later. And then got a chance to buy one 
probably about seven or eight years ago now. So we picked it up, and Paul's been running that one ever since. So Yeah, so Paul's your son who also runs Charters yeah. together yeah. with you guys. You yeah. guys have been a team now for about – yeah, because he started chartering young too, 18. He's my yeah, age. Yeah, in high school. Yep. Yeah, he so he's been doing it for like, license when he was a senior in high school. Yeah, 15 years. Yeah. Great guy. Wish yeah. he was able to make it tonight. Yeah. Well, we'll get him another day for <laughs> sure. But uh, yeah, so so how'd you, you said you fished with your dad on the island. You went on, do you remember the guy you went on a charter with that first time? Uh, yep, it was um, Bill Verrier of the Chum Slick. Ooh, the chum slick. Yep. Nice. What was he docked out of? I can't even imagine. The whole infrastructure of the river back then must have been different, where the docks were and things yeah, like that. Yeah, he was actually, he was out of Hilton's, but he used to pick a lot of his customers up. Um, right where there's a little creek heading towards Palm Island. It's um, Bob Lobster's there now. That used to be a tackle shop. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah no kidding. And, and he'd pull in there, and there was like a little dock he'd walk Like down. behind Woodbridge Island? Like that area? No, well, Bob Lobster is uh, on Bob turn, uh, going on the down the turnpike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that little cove, and there's the old. They used to build like old wooden skiffs and lobster boats in that. Oh, cool shack that's up on stilts. Um, he'd pull right in there. Oh, really yeah. neat! I yeah. never knew that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got the right guy here. I mean, you used to talk about the shipbuilding and stuff like yeah. that in your report. Yep. I want to put you on the spot. <laughs> you know, this is why I kind of wanted you here to talk about some of the history of the Merrimack. That guy's like me, like, you know, me and Dan, we're 35, 36 years old. And, you know, back then it was totally different. Mm-hmm. What do you got? Tell us a little bit about the history of Newbury Fort. What do you got? <laughs> it was a big shipbuilding place, right? Oh, yeah. They built all the clipper sheets, uh, ships for the uh, pri- privateers yeah. um, back in the day, um, all up and down the river. And uh, then obviously Lowell's Boat Shop. Um, came into play and they were building the uh the dories that the gloucester fishermen would use yeah offshore so now uh, somebody was telling me and i believe it's true maybe you can corroborate this but they used to cut the timber down up in new hampshire and just kind of send the send the um trees down Down the river river. yeah yeah Yeah. and then if you look on wood i mean uh, not woodbridge but like car island and deer island there were like man-made stone structures and Mm -hmm. i heard they used to float and put the wood up onto the island and then that's where they would work on it there and then Mm -hmm. keep setting it down river yeah Yep. Yeah, that's true. I've that's, heard that too. That's wild. So what kind of clip, they built clipper ships, clipper right? Clipper ships, yeah. So what's the difference between a clipper ship and like a schooner or something like that? Any idea? Mm. Those are sailboats. Yeah. Probably more mass than the clipper ship. Maybe. Yeah. 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 How big did those ships get? Do you know? Uh, I have no idea. I don't yeah. know. Right. So, cool. All right. So being a charter cabin starting in 1979, obviously the river must look a lot different today than it did then. With, oh, yeah. How I would mean, you compare to bo- in boat traffic? Like, how do you think uh, of the numbers was, compare? Oh, it, there were hardly anything like the the main <clears throat> marina was um, right in front of uh, Michael's Harbor side, um, and then there was also a smaller one upriver. Uh, used to be Three R Marina, now it's Newburyport Harbor Marinas. Okay. Um, and again, on the uh, Salisbury side, um, there was a small marina there. And when I say a small marina, all three of them had maybe two or three fingers. 15, oh wow! Fifteen boats, twenty boats tops. And that was it for the whole river. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's amazing. A couple more. You know, there's some moorings, again, where the uh, AYC is, the American Yacht Club. Um, that's been there forever, too. Um, but that was it. There was, like, hardly any boat traffic. Yeah, and it wasn't like a lot of people trailered back then either, right? No. Yeah. No. So. And back then, we had, uh, like, the Aquasport. Um, it was $300 for the season for a slip. Oh, my God. Up at 3R. Wow. Wow. How times have changed. Yeah. <laughs> now that won't even get you a tank That's, of gas. I know. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> oh, man. So, all right. So 
you you are now on Plum Island, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. You can eliminate that whole two or three mile stretch yeah. going from Newburyport out to the river. Yeah. How did you end up there? Um, I've I've known the the family, the Charleses that have the party boat business down there um, for years, and uh, I had actually a couple of the kids uh, when I first started teaching at Georgetown were in my class, and so I'd stop by every once in a while, like on my way in from fishing at the dock, just to say hi, and then one day they said, you know, we have a extra mooring down here we don't use anymore if you want to come down from over town you know they're more than welcome to, you know to use it I'm like oh, you know, I'll think about it and talk to my wife about it and went home talked to my wife and she goes think about it yes it's a no brainer do it, go yeah. for it <laughs> so uh, Mary Lee's a rock star yeah. so we ended up down there and uh, you know never looked back first probably five years I was on a mooring and then uh, finally we built a little finger of our own uh, that we put on the end of the dock so we have the, the boats right there. that's awesome and i mean aside from captain's fishing parties you are the only charter business running out of plum island yeah yep yeah yeah right everyone goes out of new reporter salisbury mm-hmm. yeah yes. i mean we get shanghai which is you know no, uh, extra uh, help uh, on the party boats uh you know quite often you know they'll <laughs> yeah. have an afternoon trip and they're you know have a lot of extra people and they're short of mate you know we hop on and we bartend some of the, the river cruises at night, things like that. But it's it's fun. Yeah, it's a good time. It's a good environment. That's how yeah. I met you. Yeah, you know, yeah. I started working there, working deck, and you were right on the right on the dock with me. And you know, uh, as a young aspiring charter captain, I mean, you were my mentor, man. Yeah. <laughs> like Pete, guys like Pete and uh, Scott, uh, Scott McGuire and Gary Morin. Yep. Maddie Abel, I mean, you guys were really great to me growing up and kind of teaching me the ropes of, A, how to fish, how to be safe, you know, what a charter captain really is, not really what it is in your yeah. mind at yeah. that age, you know, and how to build a business, man. And, you know, with all your help and everything there, I cannot ever repay you enough because uh, you're a great guy that helped inspire a young fisherman, you know. Do well, actually, I think do. you did repay me because uh, one of my best fishing trips of a lifetime was with you down on Long Island. Oh, yeah. Uh, fishing, you know, Montauk, which we talked about, I think, the first probably three or four years that you were uh, yeah. a mate on the party boat. Like, we should go, we should go. And then one day I got a call from Chris, and uh, what are you doing this weekend? I said, no, nothing. Why? He goes, well, we're going to fish Montauk. I'm like, oh, did you know, did you get a hotel? He goes, no, my college roommate has a place there. We're going to stay with him. I'm like, okay, I'm in. And then I said, well, we're going to charter a boat. No, he's got a boat. He's going to take us fishing. I'm like, okay. So, uh I took my youngest son, Michael, uh, Chris came, and um, Justin, Justin came. Yeah. Justin came, too. So we took the uh, ferry over. Um, Michael was probably, I think he was like 18 then. So we had a couple beers on the ferry, and then Michael was going to be our designated driver. What didn't we have on the ferry? <laughs> what was the biggest disappointment? No pretzels, damn it. Oh. I wanted the pretzel. <laughs> the, the pretzels Coming and the going, ferry. they were out of pretzels. <laughs> we were talking about it the whole way down. Pizza it was big. the only letdown. Pizza big pretzel stick guy on the boat. So I go, oh, I got something for you, man. The pretzels on these ferries <laughs> are amazing. We were talking about the whole ride. We get there, no pretzels. <laughs> was that the submarine day, too, when that submarine came up? Were we on, was that with you? Mm, Our cell phones no. shut down? Oh, that was uh, when I, I was on the ferry with Michael when I bought the Parker. Yeah. There and the submarine came up. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that actually happened to me another yeah. time then yeah. on that ferry yeah. where they give you an announcement over the thing and yeah. say, hey, uh, yep. you know, you're going to lose cell phone um, service for a little bit. We have a, a submarine breaching. Yeah. Which is actually kind of funny because I would say probably about four years ago, five years ago now, I was getting mackerel, um, 
kind of halfway between the mouth and Isles of Shoals, you know, that little mm-hmm. area we fish sometimes. Yeah. And um, I catch just some mackerel, and I got some high school buddies that charted me out for the day. And one of them goes, you know, I really don't want to sound like an asshole, but uh, is that a submarine over there? And right, if you look like where we were towards the Isles of Shoals, you saw a submarine come up, and everybody went to go get their phone to take pictures. They were shut down. down. We, yeah, yeah, they were shut down. We yeah. couldn't. I think, I think we were able to take pictures, but nobody had any service or yeah. anything. So yeah. it was kind of like the similar oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. But no, I, that was the first one I have seen yeah. uh, up around here. Yeah. So. All right, so let's continue with the story because I was actually just telling uh, my family this story last night. We were talking about like road trips or something, and uh, uh, having dinner at the the restaurant at your the, buddy owned. And, yeah. And, uh, of course, we were all you know had a couple of drinks or whatever, and then uh, his friend was a little too you know had a quite a few too many to drive himself. So I'm like, well, we got plenty of room. I had my wife's station wagon. I'm like, hop in with us, and you can show me how to get your house or whatever. So we're driving through the streets in, uh, down near Montauk, and all of a sudden... At and it's 2 in like the morning. 2 in the morning. <laughs> Police car goes by the other way, lights it up, turns around. We have the fishing rods from the back all the way up into the, the front of the seat or whatever. Of course, all the guys had been, you know, had been drinking a few beers or whatever. So we, they all the windows are down, and everyone's trying to like freshen their breath or whatever. <laughs> Pete, Pete was the designated driver, and I'm is. like, great, this is going to look great on my Pete, record. Pete, said, Pete know, was the dad. DUI in New York, you know, school teacher. So the officer comes, you know, to the to the door with license and registration, and so I've got my license. My son's in the front seat; he's looking for the registration, and I said, yeah, it's my wife's car. I'm you know trying to get the registration. So the cop, he's kind of like, uh, you know, Barney Fife type thing, and he's leaning in, and he sees the rods, and he's looking at us, and uh, he's like, do you have any reason why I pulled you over? And I was like, well, I don't think I was speeding. He goes, well, you got a headlight out. I said, oh, I do. I said, well, again, it's my wife's car, and he's looking at me, and he goes, uh, you down here with the family to do a little fishing? And I'm like, yes, I am, officer. And he goes, well, <laughs> hands me the license back. Never got the registration. He goes, well, get that light taken care of, and good luck fishing tomorrow. <laughs> we sat there for like five minutes after he left. <laughs> so if you're going to go out to the bars, have a few fishing poles in the back. <laughs> there was probably 40 rods in the back. Yeah, no, yeah. a special place, man. Oh, yeah. One yeah. of my favorite things about there is the community, because like, I remember where Richie's dock was. It used to be at uh, Star Island, I think, at the time. Mm-hmm. He's at someplace else now. Uh, he's got a new boat. He doesn't have the Viking anymore. Yep. He's got a 30-foot sail fish or 33 foot sailfish or something that was the other great thing too i'm thinking we're gonna go fishing it's gonna be like a 22 foot center console whatever uh we get down there it's like this 43 foot viking sport fisherman with granite countertops we were watching college football on like that's a hard screen we, TV. we were watching the patriots game on their fish finder <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's right that was yeah. and this is probably back like 2010 maybe 2012 yeah, yeah. like that stuff was just coming out so yeah. that was really cool oh yeah and that was uh we went togging right we yeah went black fishing yeah and we got to go together to rhode island next yeah. year next october yeah that place is ridiculous yeah. to talk um but yeah it's just a it's, uh, but the environment down there you go to the bait shop you know at like five in the morning across the street is the bagel shop yeah. <laughs> and the bagel shop has a line out the door of all the fishermen yeah. and the bagels down there are just the best yeah. the flagels yeah. every time i go it's a flat bagel yeah. they're unbelievable <laughs> and uh yeah man i've and uh, we did pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. We got some tongue. Did we do oh, yeah. any bass fishing? We did the next day. We had yeah. a couple hookups, but we didn't ever get anything to the boat. But yeah. We still was, had a great time. I remember it being super windy when yeah. we were down there. Yeah. yeah. It was a little rough. 
And then I remember our drive back. So when you go to when you go to Long Island for us, it's always a, like a six hour journey between the ferry and everything. Get to Richie's house, uh, but that ride home when you come back to Massachusetts on the ferry, it's when it starts getting real. Yeah. Like oh, you're back to real life. And we're in the car, and Pete goes, oh, "I don't want to go to back to work tomorrow." I go, "Yeah, me either." I think it was like a first year teaching, yeah. and Pete goes, "Damn, playing volleyball is not that bad." <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so now i talked about you kind of like being a mentor for guys like me and fallon and parkhurst and stuff like that i mean you were obviously the top dog who had been doing it forever around the river so i was a sponge uh were there charter captains or people around the area like that for you when you were growing up guys that you looked up to or kind of helped show you the ropes um yeah there was a couple guys i mean obviously you know malcolm hudson was like the pioneer around here i mean you know he he fished tuner in in rowboats and um he used to fish with ted williams and i mean if you go to hudson's there's pictures of them you know all over the shop yeah um and he was just a a wealth of information he had you know He'd always take the time, with, especially with young guys, young kids, to, you know, kind of point him in the right direction. Kind of like Kay used to do down at Surfland, you know, if yep. you came in for information, I mean, she'd talk your ear off and tell you where to go. Um, uh, yeah, I, m- I remember one summer, again, um, getting working for Malcolm, doing uh, some sand deals uh, at like 4 or 5 in the morning. Ooh, I, remember, uh, I remember watching people do those when yeah, I was younger. Yeah, you I mean, no one does it anymore. No, I was like 120 pounds wet and, uh, you know, trying to pull those nets in at, you know, 5 in the morning. See, your legs and your, your chest were red. How did it work? How, how would you go do the sand dealing? Um, he would he'd pull up with the boat and then we had a rowboat and we'd row it out and make like a big circle, like usually in the cove there um, where the old Coast Guard station used to be inside the mouth. And uh, then you just pull the nets from short, you know, you're standing in the water and pulling the nets in. And, he'd, you know, Malcolm wasn't much bigger than we were. And he'd be, you know, standing in the boat of the skiff yelling at us, you know, you know, pull, pull. You know, it's like <laughs> we were getting pulled back in with the, with the weight of it. But, um, yeah, and, you know, we'd, we'd get a few dollars just so we could go put gas in the boat and, and go out and buy, you know, get some bait and I remember when I first started fishing the area when we used to get chum for mackerel. It actually used to be sand deal chum. Sand deal chum, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it was the best. Mm-hmm. And they don't make it anymore. No, no. Yeah, because I think there's only a few permits that are allowed. Yeah. Uh, a few people have permits to do it. And I think Hudson's and Surfland and maybe Robbie Yeoman's, I think, are the, mm-hmm. the other ones that had it, at least mm-hmm. at the time from what I heard. So uh, it's pretty cool. Speaking of sand deals, it seems like this year there was a little bit more than there had been. I feel like they've been kind of not around as prevalent the no, last few no, years. No, because I know Eric Fern, same thing. He tried doing the, the sand deal thing for a while, and it was like, again, they just they were gone. They were non-existent. Yeah. Right. And that's such a big part of the ecosystem, especially like in our mouth bite. You know, like whenever the sand deals around, the mouth bite's usually pretty good. And it yeah. felt like this year um, there was more sand deals in the mouth um and the mouth bite was pretty good mm-hmm. but not like it used to be either yeah we used to get them right outside the mouth and there would be like a feeding frenzy out there yeah yeah so all right now good oh i was just gonna say <clears throat> starting in 1979 being a charter captain obviously there's the the market's a lot more saturated today there's more captains out there but from my perspective i noticed that you guys it really is like a brotherhood and you kind of all leaning on each other information you know those that do communicate with one another and it seems to be an effective way to actually help your business mm-hmm. so do you feel like having more people on the water has been a help to you or is it more of an annoyance oh it's definitely been more of a help um because again you, you just you, you exchange information and you know back in the day it was this couple of us out there and you know 
you had to go five or six different places to find the fish, and so you were spent more time traveling. Now it's just you know, once once of a one of us gets on the fish, or whatever we you know we make the used to be on the radio. Now we kind of use the cell phones, so uh, you don't get like you know fifty boats down there. Um, but we all help each other out. Um, you know whether it's bait, whether you know where the bass are feeding. Um, and we all we joke about it with each other. Like there is plenty of business for everyone. Where you know, it, it seems to be like there's a, a revolving door. Like someone will call, like ah, I'd like to go this Saturday. I'm sorry, I'm booked. Uh, you know, try calling Chris. I already called him. Try calling Charlie. Try calling Scott. You know, try calling John. We give him. Every captain has like a, in his logbook, whatever. We get the names of all the you know the prevalent captains that we recommend for the other guys to use. Mm-hmm. Um, also. It's come become more popular in the last few years. We've had multi-boat trips, which are a lot of fun. I love um, those. Yeah, those are the one we do with the six boats. is yeah, awesome. Yeah, it started with like two boats, then three. It's a couple of different businesses, and they, you know, they do instead of a golf outing, they do a, like a big cookout and a, and a fishing thing. And uh, it's kind of nice because you're on, you know, five to eight different boats, and it's like a its own mini tournament. We all fish within like you know, shouting distance to each other so the guys can give each other a hard time. Uh, the captains can tease each other. The, the, the customers on each boat are, you know, laughing and, and making fun of guys who catch it like a small fish, a big fish, lost a fish. Um, and it's just been, it's been a really positive experience. It's, we look forward to it every year. Yeah, last year, I think that one, we had six boats yeah. in it. It was yeah. me, you, John, Paul, John Carey, and Kyle. Kyle, Kyle. And yeah. Kyle, yeah. yeah. So that was a good time. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And then yeah. we all actually, that was the first time I think all summer we got to hang out the dock after exactly. we stuck around yeah. Plum Island for a yeah. little bit. <laughs> so that, that's always fun when we get a chance to go out and, yeah. and do stuff like that. Yep. And, um, you know, because we're so busy, you know, being on the water. By the mm-hmm. time, you know, the last trip's done, I think we all just want to get home and, oh, yeah. and get some sleep, you know. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'd love to do this year round. I, I think of it all the time. Like now, I'm I'm retired from teaching, and I was like, well, maybe I should go south and do it in the winter. But usually by October, and you know, thankfully my wife reminds me every year when I start to get that idea, like, oh, I'm gonna go fish, you know, North Carolina and charter down there for you know three months. You hate it by the time October comes around. You're like dead. You look like a zombie. Like it's kind of a nice break up here that you know we have it from May to like October, and then it's kind of like. You know, you kind of put things away and you take a break from it and regroup and then... Well, I think that's another aspect of it, too, is just that we do have that short six-month season. Mm -hmm. So, and especially in that time frame when school's out, when Mm -hmm. the weather's good and the fishing's good... You know, we got June, July, August where we're really grinding, oh, yeah. like really grinding. Two trips a day every day, sometimes yeah. three trips. Yeah. Bad weather, you know, um, hot days, current, boat issues, equipment issues. Yep. Like it's just always something. And then by the time October comes around, it's dark and cold and you're just fried. <laughs> you realize your life's been on autopilot for a month. You got yep. a pile of clothes. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't eaten anything but Wendy's in a month and a half. <laughs> Yeah, to someone that's not a charter captain, I can see how, you know, you're not going to get the full understanding of what it is to be a charter captain because the rod and reel that someone might use six times in a season, you guys are using hundreds of times in a season. Oh, yeah. You know, your boat, you're not putting 50 hours on in a season. You're putting five to 800 hours on in a Mm -hmm. season. And just like the maintenance aspect of it alone seems like it could be a pretty costly headache. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like everyone... I mean, Chris, I'm sure, experiences the same thing. You know, the typical group, you know, they come down and they're out there fishing with them and talking and entertaining them. And they're always like, you have a dream job. Like, this has got to be, like, I would love to do this. And I'm like, yeah, you're on my boat four to six hours. You come down, the boat's clean, it's ready to go, the gear's all set to go. Then you leave and you go to your restaurant and you have your, you know, dinner and you have a few beers and you look at the pictures of the day. We're still at the dock working. 
we're gassing the boat up, we're cleaning it, we're doing the maintenance, things that break every day. You know, there's, uh, you know, Chris can attest to this too. There's, there's always that one guy who like breaks a rod or drops one over, you know, and then you got to go get it replaced. And yeah, Chris, drop. Chris actually has one guy so. <laughs> <laughs> that does it every year. <laughs> I, I have the same thing. I've had this group that have been coming out with me since like the early '80s, and every year one of the guy's brothers on that spinning gear for my uh, the macro rods spins the handle off. You would think after like 25 years, he would get it going the right way, number one, no. Or when it came off, it would hit and land on the deck every time. Gunnel, ocean. Of course. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we had a guy like that where snagging pogey, snagging and dropping pogies a couple of years ago. And I look over and he was reeling the reel backwards and upside down. And all his buddies just started ripping him. But he kept tangling up my line he went through two rods i couldn't fix it yeah so i'm like buddy you're done like yeah. this is how you're gonna do it so he came back the next year i switched the handle at least over to the other side and i saw the flip happening and all those guys all those boys went no no you gotta learn how to do it the right way what did your mother drink as a kid when you were in a baby what's going on here so we got him figured out but yeah man i mean there's there's that teaching aspect you know some people like listen they do a great job some people just kind of stuck in their ways and you know they don't you know but for the most part, people want to catch fish, so oh, yeah. Yeah. they listen. They yeah. try the best. Women and kids are the best. Yeah, yeah. The, they the, the kids will like they eat it up. They listen to it. They do exactly what you want, the way you want. You know, yep. you tell them to. It's the guys that you know they come down in the bonefish shirts and the, the Columbia stuff. And, <laughs> oh, I fished all over the world, and uh, they're holding the rod upside down. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've been doing hundred plus trips a year for a lot of years, so you get all kinds of. I mean, we all do, yeah. but like. Yeah, you've seen it all. I mean, you got 50 years worth, right? Yeah. 45 years worth or yeah. so yeah. of doing this. Whew. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so you were saying that uh, pogies were a thing back in the early 80s. Mm -hmm. how, how did you fish with those compared to today? Because for, for us, it was kind of like, for, well, for me anyway, four or five years ago, it was like, what are these things? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. like let's, let's, let's do this. Yep. Yeah, and we, you know, we started using them in our own ways. But, mm -hmm. you know, just what was it like? Um, well, like I said, we didn't really have bait wells back then, um, so it was harder to keep them alive. We, you know, we keep them in a bucket, you know, five-gallon pail or whatever, and keep dumping water in, um, or we'd chunk them, and and the bass seemed to, you know, love that too. I, I gotta try that a little bit more. Yeah. Like I, I never. never I mean, really it's such tried an oily chumming. fish it too. Makes it makes sense. sense. It's the perfect chum. It's, it's yeah. yeah, it's a good, yep. good bait. But fish. I remember same thing. It had to have been maybe. Eight or ten years ago now, I can't remember like when the pogies started showing up again. Probably about six years ago. So I six, think. Yeah. yeah, it was like right before that. There was a small group that came in like down, um, um, down near Gloucester, and I was down with a friend commercial fishing, and we like left at like three in the morning just to snag some pogies. Yeah, and uh, the bass had forgotten up here like what they were. Like they didn't, you know. We That's were right. out there fishing. Every time we dropped a mackerel down, bang, we got a nice fish. And they were playing with the pogies. It was like it was like foreign to them. They didn't like, they're like, oh, it's, you know. And I remember that because before we started getting to the stage where the whole entire beachfront was covered yeah. with pogies, you know, you'd find a couple little patches every summer here and there mm -hmm. in the river or out front maybe. And like, same thing. Like, it was like almost like the bass forgot how to eat them. Yeah. I think, you know, thinking back then too, there probably weren't as many big fish as we've been mm -hmm. seeing the last you know, four or five seasons. Yeah. So it looks like they got acclimated to it a little bit. Yep. And, uh, but you used to also fish herring quite a bit back yeah. then, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. What would you do? Go jig them up outside the river? Or would you net uh, them? Yeah, we'd just jig them outside. Yeah. Yep. 
So just like our mackerel spots, just like we'd be mackerel fishing? Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was actually literally all you had to do back then is go out the mouth of the river, take a hard uh, left right off of Salisbury. I mean, not even as far as, as breaking rock. Yeah. And uh, like right where the first house was in same thing, like 20, 30 feet of water. And you'd get herring, you'd get mackerel. Wow. And then just turn around and go back to the river that's incredible yeah i don't yeah every once in a while i might get a herring or two out in mm-hmm. the mackerel but nothing like yeah. nothing crazy that you're gonna go fish with or anything um it also seemed like the mackerel back then too i mean we had maybe a month of mackerel fishing and then they kept going north up to maine now we have them i mean like the last few years we've been lucky i mean a awesome couple days we've had to make some runs for them but you know we've had them from mid-may to i mean they were getting them in October when yeah. we were pulling the boats out. So we were getting them in like late August yeah. in like twenty feet of water out oh, the yeah. beach. Yeah. I mean this year the mackerel were spread out in our area all over the place. Like mm-hmm. I fish for mackerel, you know, normally we all kinda of either go straighter to the north, but I fish for mackerel a lot in front of Plum Island this year, mm-hmm. which was new to me. Yeah. Yeah. Just that's where I got on them kinda of early yep. and I was sticking around there and you know, we were finding some new spots and things like that. You know, things that always look good on a chart, but you just never you know what it's like. Oh, you know yeah. that mental thing, you you know the north parts so so well yep. you know you're you, afraid to you're afraid to try something else yeah, yeah when you're on the <laughs> clock you definitely oh, yeah. are for yep. sure yep but again that's where the network kind of comes you mm-hmm. know you and a buddy can go split in different directions you know i know john and i do that a lot in the mm-hmm. morning and mike and i do it a lot early yeah you know um we're still young and stupid leaving at 5 a.m you yeah. have you have a nice little 8 a.m leave time we'll say i wish i could get some of my customers to come earlier i mean i'd love to leave like a 6 37 o'clock start yeah but and like you said, then you're done at like, you know, 11 and then do the second trip. And you again, you know, you're still done at like three or four. Yeah. So you have a little bit of the afternoon, but. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes when you have like that six hour in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, I know for you leaving at seven or eight, you do the six hour. And then if you get another four or another six, you're, yep. I mean, you're on the water pretty much from, you know, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., 7 oh, p.m. Yeah. That's yep. not including cleaning the boat. and Right. Putting everything on Instagram, uh, all your social media, entering emails, phone calls. All well, I that. use an etch a sketch for that. So it's like <laughs> <laughs> you sum it up. <laughs> That's my computer. <laughs> Actually, you were kind of uh, a fish finder when you first started when you were younger. You were uh, your own yeah. fish finder. <laughs> yep, I had a, a guy that um, he took me and my cousin out there. And uh, like I said, this was before they had any kind of like the technology we have nowadays. Um, we had um, some masks and and snorkels and a rope and he just kind of towed us around um badger's rocks and we had to give him the thumbs up you know like a rock a fist for a rock or whatever and he was just you know charting it all on a paper chart so he's just driving in the river yep just towing us around with you guys just with the rope <laughs> <laughs> with the mask we see something hold on you know you, yeah, you can rock. see you can see the rocks down oh, there yeah yeah, yeah 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 even with the mud and dark uh water being dark uh yeah it was a little cl- cleaner back then yeah um, you know, we've had some issues the last few years, uh, to say the least, with uh, what's been coming down the river. And I think that's kind of affected the fishing a lot, too. But, yeah. Um, I think last year we just had so much rain. Oh, all yeah. Through June it and July. Like the Mississippi it was It was mud. Yeah. It was mud. All that fresh water. Yeah. You know, couldn't keep a mackerel alive too long. Oh. It was tough. And then there was not as many pogies around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was wild to see the aerial shots of the mouth with it spilling into the ocean. Oh, you just yeah. see the big cloud you see it yeah. silt. Miles and miles out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was going like on low tide. The tide line was halfway down the island of brown water. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was crazy. It reminds so, me of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> Augustus, Augustus Gloopy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
great name for a boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you think that water was that chocolate river was good? Would you would you have taken a sip out of that? No, God, no. <laughs> I won't even put my toes in it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I don't know. I just think about when I was a kid, you know, being on my dad's boat, being up in Ainsbury at the sandbar, ripping around in a tube, swimming in the river, thinking nothing of it. I don't feel the same way about it anymore, unfortunately. You know, uh-huh. sometimes when it, I do go upriver and I see everyone at the sandbar and I'm like, oh, when that tide starts coming in, is that really where you want to be right now? <laughs> I can think of like seven other places I'd rather dock, uh, yeah. throw an anchor. But, um, you know, it is what it is. I don't think that the river is as polluted as we might think it is, but I do think there's definitely with the heavy, heavy rains, it just like the, the silt alone is enough to just make it unattractive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, the good thing is there's a couple of organizations now that are starting to make some progress to ensure some, you know, legal issues and things like that, keeping things clean. So, you know, hopefully um, in the next few years we just keep getting this river cleaner and more sustainable and you know and, i mean look at boston harbor had that situation with their flounder fishery right mm-hmm. boston harbor was always a big flounder fishery and then it was too polluted and they got their act together and cleaned it up now it's back oh, better yeah. than it's ever been yeah you know guys there's a lot of people that go out there for flounder i haven't done that in a while you don't flounder fish at all right no no not really and, i mean same thing you used to be able to go even the party boats targeted them for a while you'd go right out the mouth of the river and yeah anchor up and Throw a chum bag down, and you could, you know, fill up a bucket with flounder. Are they still doing any flounder trips at all? They haven't in the last couple of years. They tried it, like I think maybe three years ago was the last time they did it, and they, you know, instead of buckets, that was like, you know, they had 15, 20 people on the boat, and I think they got like five yeah. flounder. Yeah, that was it. So it's not really sustainable right yeah. now. I mean, I've actually I've been lucky enough that the last couple of years I've gotten like two nice sized fluke. Every summer, too, which is kind of a fluke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I remember I got one. I told you about it. And then uh, I got mine in the Merrimack. And then I told you. And then a couple days later, you got one, I think, somewhere else. Yeah, I got them down the Parker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool fish, man. Yeah, it is. I mean, again, like, you know, you go down the Cape fishing and stuff, and it's like there's so many more different species. Up here, it seems like we have striped bass or we can fish for striped bass and then now we've got some bluefish mixed in every once in a while yeah but same thing i get customers call yeah we'd like to go blue fishing i'm like so would i but <laughs> <laughs> well at least last year I promise you last year was my first time i think as a charter captain in nine years leaving the dock you know expecting and targeting bluefish yeah yep. you know we we've had some kicking around here and there and some waves and stuff like that um but nothing really targetable. They mm-hmm. were all kind of just bycatch, or you you get in a situation, maybe switch over a top water or pull yeah. some plugs. But like, yeah, this was the first time I left the dock with my rods rigged up with plugs to go mm-hmm. troll for bluefish. Yeah, and it was fun, other than the fact that they were moving around everywhere. Well, I will say there was about a week span where they were actually like the biggest nuisance in the drifting in the mouth. Oh like, yeah, you, know, you have the fluorocarbon leaders on you trying to catch bass. Yeah. And then, like, you just keep getting picked off by the bluefish. It's like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> and the seals. That, oh, yeah. Oh, the yeah. seals. Oh, my, oh, my God. God. Seals. Remember in Chopper this year, those yeah. seals? Yeah, they'd follow you around, literally. Yeah. Yeah. And then the head would pop up, like, smiling. Like, One scared the hell out of me. Like, it came out of the water, and it was, like, literally right below me and just looking at me. Like, what do you got for me? I'm like, son of a bitch, we got to get out of here. <laughs> I had a bunch of uh, guys from the Army on my boat one day, and we went out and got our mackerel, and we are coming into Fisher Flats, and I'm just thinking, oh, God, how long? these things gonna last on oh, that effing seal still around yep. 
And I, I was telling them the story. I'm like, guys, if you see a seal, reel this thing up. We want to make sure all our baits are good. I'm like, this thing has been such a nuisance. I go, I should have had one of you guys bring a rifle. To me. <laughs> <laughs> kidding. Yeah. Kidding, everybody. <laughs> I am kidding. But what I'm not kidding about is one of the guys on the boat was one of my roommates from college. <laughs> and he goes, oh, all right, I'll take care of it. Whips into his back and pulls out a pistol. I'm like, Steve, what are you doing? <laughs> you can't tell you gotta tell me this stuff. You know, I didn't want to leave it in my truck. I thought it was more dangerous there. Like, there were no seals harmed during the making of that story. <laughs> no oh yeah. Actually that was the day they actually kind of stopped. We didn't have any issues, but it was bad. I remember one day there was a lot of boats in there and Everybody was bitching on the radio. There was oh, like yes, two yeah. seals that would just wreck. They were going for the boat. They probably gained like thirty pounds plucking off mackerel. Yeah. The frust- real frustrating part about it is as soon as you go in there and the tide's up and the water's so warm and it's you know it, your mackerel aren't staying alive. Your live well looks like a pot of tea. It's yeah. Like, well, it was, the know? water was so. So you fresh. only have so much time, and every time there was one, I'm reeling up and like the mackerel's just about to come out of the water and. Whoosh, Thing comes and grabs them like oh, you bastard. Oh, that's Ivy. They have no shame. They have no. They'll follow you, man. I was fishing on the Salisbury side once. This was an afternoon trip, and we we got we. It took a while to get some mackerel, a little bit longer than I wanted. And then on our way in, right when we got to the tip of the jetties, a hailstorm came. <clears throat> So we pulled into captains and ran up into the little hut, let the rainstorm kind of pass, and went back out there. I'm like, all right, let's let's go do this. So we ended up going over to the Salisbury Flat to start, and we get lines out, and boom, seal, boom, seal, yep. kit, right? We reel up. We go to the other side to Joppa. Dude, I'm telling you, we saw the wake of this thing. Once we picked up, we get lines out, trolling for five minutes, that son of a bitch followed us all, all the way, way across the oh, river. Yeah. We were yeah. the only boat They're man. smart. And he They're knew. smart, yeah. Yeah, it was super, it was a tough one. Speaking of different species, too, I've also, um, I think I'm the only charter captain uh, in the area that has actually fished for tarpon on the flats in Dubreport. Oh, really? Uh, you yeah. had a big tarpon bite we one day? We had a big tarpon bite one day. Uh, <laughs> it was a few years back, and uh, we were out fishing, and uh, we were doing really good. And uh, this one guy on, the, on the, the trip says, you know, Captain, isn't there some famous flats around here? And I said, yeah, Joppa Flats, you know, back inside the bay. I said, you got to, you know, the tide's coming in another hour or so, maybe towards the end of the trip, there'll be enough water to go in there and give it a shot. And I said, some days can be pretty productive in there. Yeah, I've been reading up on it. I really want to go. I really want to do it. Kept bringing up the subject, bringing up the subject. Probably fifth or sixth time. He goes, yeah, is it time to go in there? I want to get a fish on the flats. He goes, I really want a shot at a tarpon. And uh, Paul was mating on the boat with me, my son that day. And he kind of looked at me. I looked at him. I said, what'd you say? Well, yeah, I've been reading up on the flats. I want to catch a tarpon. I said, I think we have enough water. Let's 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 re-rig and then go in after these tarpon. And, uh, so we actually, at the time, I had a boat that had a little tower up on the on the the uh, the roof, and uh, so we went in around Woodbridge and we're slow trolling. And you could actually see the stripers; they were finning everywhere. And the guy asked if he could come up on the flybridge. I said, "Sure, come on up." And is that the tarpon? Is that the tarpon? And, and I didn't have the heart to tell him they were stripers, but I said, "Yep, they are." I said, "You know, they're very finicky. They're really spookish. You know, with the with the sun up this high, but we're gonna try." Um, we, uh, didn't catch a tarpon that day, but, you know, we gave it one hell of a, uh, an effort. And, uh, <laughs> that would have been stuff. Of you always give the customer what they want. <laughs> <laughs> what are the, have you ever caught anything kind of weird, you know, something unexpected around uh, here? You've been here for so long. Yeah, we hooked a sea turtle once in the, in the bay. Yeah. No yep. kidding. Yep. Caught him in the, in the back flipper and we released him. Um, do you know what kind? I saw a loggerhead. Yeah, it was a loggerhead. Yeah. yeah. I've only seen one. It was a few years ago. Yeah. 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 Those are cool. Yeah. Yep. That must have been scary, though. Yeah. Like, you know, we thought we had like a 
a giant striper on there until we saw the head come up. And then I thought <laughs> it was a seal because of the turtle's head. Yeah. And then we finally got it up close and it was a... I caught a monkfish once. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, actually with Richie, my, yeah. the kid from New York. He, uh, so back in the day, my family didn't have a trailer for their 23-foot boat. So we used to just get it dropped um, in, the, in, in May when our docks were in. So I went to school at Fitchburg State. Richie was from Long Island, and um, he brought he had a 24-foot angler. Yeah. And what he did was we brought it up in the spring and kept it at my parents' house yeah. so we could go haddock fishing and cod fishing and yeah. stuff starting April 1st. We had a whole another month. So, um, yeah, on the weekends and stuff like that, we used to go trailer his boat. And one day we got out there, and it was really rough. So we just kind of like, oh, let's see if we can go to Breaking Rock and see if we can get in mm -hmm. just something to do. And, uh, yeah, Richie caught a monkfish yep. off the I was like, what the hell? I had to look it up. I didn't yeah, know. I didn't yeah. know what it was at the time. But, yeah, yeah, first and only one I've ever seen. Yeah. Big old mouth on it. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't even know they were around here. Yeah. I never really heard. I don't think I've ever heard of anybody else ever yeah. catching one. Yeah. That was kind of the weirdest thing I think I've ever caught here. Yeah. So that was that had to be early April. Yeah. Yeah. So everything was really cold. But, uh, so right now you're retired from teaching. Mm -hmm. What else are you doing? Um. Well, I, besides the eight boats that I'm uh, rebuilding and, and working on. Are I, you selling these boats? Uh, yeah. we. It's That's why I've never worked like in a kennel because I knew I'd, I'd just keep every dog. It's, it's the same <laughs> thing. It's like I buy it with the intention of selling it and then I got like, oh, I kind of really like this one. I'm going to keep it. And it's kind of like I'm, I'm hoarding all these boats. Um, but I also work for a small engine repair shop in the winter. Yeah. Uh, just to keep busy. You know, I can kind of come and go as I please. Where's that out of? Uh, out of Seabrook. Yeah, what's the name of it? Uh, Bay State Engines. Nice. So what kind of small engines, like under like 25 horsepower type of um, thing? Yeah, we actually, we'll work on outboards, you know, different size outboards, but we'll do mostly like snow blowers, tractors, yeah. things like that. Um, and actually, your son Michael is a marine mechanic, right? He is, yeah. I see it's, it's, it's really evolved into a, like a really family type business. I mean, like obviously, all three of my kids made it for me um, since they were like six, seven years old. And then my uh, oldest son, Paul, got his license, and he started chartering. And then my youngest son, Michael, um, got a degree in um, business and entrepreneurship and then went and got a degree in uh, marine technology. And uh, so he's a, a certified marine mechanic. So, I mean, I can break stuff all day long and then <laughs> <laughs> bring it over to him. <laughs> we have a mechanic on call that will come right down and, and get it, um, you know, back on the water for us, which is key, you know. And he's actually, you were just telling us when he came up here, and I know uh, Randall uh, talked to me about this the other day. They're starting to do a, a small engine course, right, at Whittier Tech? Outboard, yeah, um, Yamaha Outboard Tech School um, at uh, Whittier Tech. Uh, right now it's, well, for the last three classes, it's been an uh, um, adult ed program at night, um, like two or three nights a week, and um, you actually get a uh, marine tech certification from it. Um, they just got the funding from the state, and they're going to be adding the program um, to the high school there. So the high school students will be able to take it and then uh, get certified. Um, there is a huge need for it, uh, as you know, you know, around this area. It used to be just down south, but, I mean, you know, the, the boating industry has grown phenomenal, you know, the last 20 years. And there's just there's not enough technicians to, you know, to keep the boats, you know, serviced and, and get the people back in the water. Yeah, man, it's hard. You know, if something goes wrong, it's really hard to find somebody, A, who's good, B, and available. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that old thing. You can either have it cheap, quick, or uh, or done right. Yeah. Pick two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, 
No, so that's really nice having somebody like that. And then as part of a charter captain too thing, you like you learn a lot about your engine and your mm-hmm. boat and the systems and how they work. Yeah. And you just sometimes something goes, you just gotta try to figure it out. Oh, you know, yeah. six thirty yeah. at night. I know you and I always have this dance during the springtime where we keep bumping into each other, sometimes two or three times in the same day <laughs> at West Marine, West Marine. Or, or Hudson's <laughs> or something like that. Yep. You know, you always get that one screw that's a little off, or then you strip one and you gotta yeah. deal with that. And forth, and you know, <sighs> go all the way up there. They don't have the part, then somebody else does, and you got to get creative. Yeah, it's always fun. Yeah, Dan, as a first year, you know, had his first year with the boat, he gets to experience that <laughs> great time of year of getting your boat ready for the first time this year. There's, there's nothing quite like bottom painting either. It's just, yeah. it, it's no. just really, uh, you know, it's a joy. My big thing is waxing the interior, man. Oh. That's one thing it beats me up. Oh, oh, that's the one that that I am not a fan of. Yeah. Painting's not too bad. Yeah. Painting. Well, when I used to work at Hudson's painting boat bottoms, you know, doing that every day all summer long. Yeah, doing one boat is nothing. No, doing doing multiple and hundred degree days. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. No, thank you. No, no, thank you. Um, so when do you think your first fish is going to be this year? You're gonna call it. So every every year there's a little competition between Pete and Scott. All right, it's been going on for years now, right? Yeah, Who and actually we one? we had an advantage for a few years because Scott was going down to to visit his grandkids in Florida. So we had like that one week window that you know Chris and I would fish it hard just <laughs> just so we could you know send him a picture down in Florida while he was down there catching you know some species down in Florida would show him the striped bass, but. Um, so yeah, it's usually sometime in May, you know, the first week or so in May. Yeah, you know, we can find one. I always, I mean, I know there's more and more holdovers, so yeah. we always have a chance of lucking into one of those. But I always find in the springtime it's kind of funny, like you know, in that early week of May, you might catch like one or two, and it's not quite there yet. You know, you catch, but you get ain't you're like yes, it's like day. gas prices. You're yeah. paying four dollars a gallon <laughs> one day, and the next day it's four sixty seven. You're like, oh, they're here. Uh, it's the same. I, I thought about uncovering the boat and bringing it to the gas station. <laughs> do it <laughs> now. Do it getting now. it over with. Yeah. It's yeah. probably not a bad idea. <laughs> But that's what it's always like. You get that first one, you get really excited. But then it kind of not quite doesn't pick yeah, up. Yeah, you keep still, searching. It's you, searching. Yeah, you get searching. two, then you get five the next day. Then all of a sudden, you know, Birds one time. everywhere, and they're all over the place, and yeah. And you don't know if you don't go. You just got to be right. out there until it happens. Oh, yeah, yep. But it's not fair. There's competition. You know, I'm at a wicked disadvantage because you and Scott are now both available to fish during the day. Yeah, that was all. Like when I was teaching, and I also coached um, softball in the spring, and it was just a you know bane of my existence to see a couple of these guys, and they would make it a point. I mean, uh, we practiced and played right at Cashman Park, right on the water. Oh, so I could see these guys coming by, and then like my phone would beep, and it was them. Like, oh, you know, you're lucky you're coaching today, and you taught in school because it was terrible. There was no wind, you know, it was flat, calm, and we only got like six keepers, you know, in an hour. It was terrible fishing. So you know, stick with the with the softball. The worst was when um, you know I used to go on the eighth grade field trip to DC, and that was usually like Memorial Day, first week of June, one yep. of those weeks. And I'd be on the bus to D.C. at like 8 in the morning. I've been there since Looking 5. At Facebook pictures. And then, no, no, you assholes would text me. How's the bus ride? this Pete with like a 30-inch fish. First keeper of the year. I'm like, Ugh. It was brutal. All yep. the kids would be like, Mr. V, I'd be don't talk to me. Don't yep. talk to me. i got to think about this for a minute. That's funny. Very upset. <laughs> But that's what it's about, man. It's always that good little um, competition, friendly competition. And the schooly stuff is fun as hell, man, especially oh, yeah. for guys like us. We've been itching all year to get out yeah. and, uh, you know, just something light, something fun mm-hmm. and brings up hope, yeah. you know? Yeah. 
brings up hope coming up. Yep. And uh, you, what are you fishing usually that time of year? Uh, a lot of soft plastics, you know, like spinning gear. Yeah. Um, I'm actually, I, I've again, you got to look for something to do in the winter. And uh, so we're down to Surfland one of the weekends. They're open looking at the uh, the Pen Squall um, the low profile. Yeah. Reels. I think I'm going to get one just to play with. And... I was thinking of getting one this year, yeah. too. <laughs> they, they're making a huge, huge uh, wave in, like, down south, like a lot of the sea bass fishing and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I know guys that are using, like, the bait casters to fish for tarpon and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah. you know, it's just a, another little thing to, to try to master. Oh, yeah. You know, yep. another arrow in the quiver, so yeah. to say. yep. But, yeah, so I actually went to Surfland the other day, and I had talked to you about it, so I played around with that yeah. a little bit. No, it seems really neat, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. I got a rod that I'm building that actually I probably be, might want to go. good for it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a little bit lighter than I wanted it to be. Yeah. So I'm still debating if I want to make it a spinner or do a little pro- – because, you know, I, we need more rods and reels. We do. We don't. We never have enough. We, yeah. You know, 6,000 isn't enough. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, it's funny that you haven't put any guides on that blank yet because I'm actually kind of the same way. I get a blank and I will just literally play with it for two months before I decide what I actually want to do with it. Oh, yeah. 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 And, yeah. Then, and, then, and then once you have your reel picked out, it kind of starts there. Yeah, well, most of the time when I'm rod building, it's something for very specific. And this time, you know, I didn't have the blank to kind of play with. So I ordered it based on specs and it was just a little bit light for what I wanted mm-hmm. it to be. I wish I got the next size up. But it, I feel like it's going to be good use for other things. You know, maybe not for a lot of things I do up here, but, you know, for times when I travel and, you know, go down south and do the tog and black sea bass type of thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, but... No, it's just, it's fun. I just built a set of mackerel rods, you know, and again, if anyone gets, you can check out our blog on that. Mike's going to write a, um, make another blog about the actual build, but you know, it's a great thing to get started with a couple mackerel rods, you know, kill some time in the winter and get to to do in the off season. Yeah. It keeps you connected. Yeah, and I feel like it, it's something that really anyone can do. It's, you know, some are more artistic than others, but, you know, <laughs> at the same time, if you have some free time and you're willing to learn or teach yourself, mm-hmm. anyone it, can do it. If I can put it together, anybody can. Because that's, that's basically what I was getting at, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, embarrassed to show mine off. I'm like, there's going to be people who build rods that be like, you suck, dude. But you know what? They last. I haven't had any issues with <laughs> them. Work, it catches a fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good rod. Uh, so, P, with all the ways to catch a striper, what, what would you say is your favorite? Now, not from a charter perspective, right? from uh, just a uh, personal time. Favorite has to be top water for striped bass. There's just nothing nothing like it, like you know, seeing the bass coming up and, and hitting the, the lure a couple times and finally, you know. Yeah. Do you have a favorite lure or plug? Um, the last couple of years, I've loved those, um, the uh, docks. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've had... So much fun with those, and I, I actually I remove the trebles and put a single on. I like yep. I'm I get more enjoyment out of watching the fish hit it ten and twelve times than I do like hooking <laughs> up every time. No kidding, just seeing them like smack it, smack it, smack it. It's almost like a bluefish, you know. It is a really fun lure to fish, yeah. man, because they don't try to eat it; they try to kill it. Yeah. Like they go after yeah. that yeah. thing, and it's so big and so loud, it, it just calls fish up to it. Yeah. I mean, when I I was fishing Block Island once. And um, we were fishing, like, I don't know, in Boulder Fields, about 15, 20 feet of, like, gin-clear ocean water, you know? And we were just marking fish on the screen and just throwing that thing and making a commotion. And you could see him on the screen just coming up and exploding on it, mm-hmm. you know? And those guys down there in Rhode Island, they don't, like, fish bait like we do. They they fish mostly top water and early in the morning, and then they're kind of switching over to a tube and worm once mm-hmm. the sun comes up. So that was really, actually, it was kind of funny. We went to a couple different uh, 
rock piles, right, to throw on top of. And I pull up and I see my fish finder. I'm like, oh, my God, what is this place? It was just absolutely stacked. Narnia. (laughs) Narnia, dude, (laughs) like unicorns and stuff. But, like, we get there and we would spot walk and everyone would be casting. And these guys, dude, they would take – so we were doing actually a photo shoot for hummingbirds. So there was, like, five captains down Mm -hmm. there. And they would just take, like, five or six casts and be like – all right, then these ones don't want to eat. Let's move. I'd be like, oh, there's like 300 fish underneath us. Like, yeah, 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 they don't want to eat this. Let's go find another pile. Yeah. And like, I'm telling you, Pete, if you saw this on your screen up here, you would have been like, holy. Yeah. I'm like, let me throw up a sluggo down or something real quick. <laughs> Hang on. I got one. Guys, what are we doing? <laughs> Where are we going? But no, they, they get to choose how they want it. And they all just fish those docks. Yeah. That, that's like their primary thing. Yeah. So. I always have one like rigged up on the on the boat just so I can throw out. I'm, I'm, I don't get a lot of customers that can actually, you know, cast uh more than 10 feet uh, <laughs> it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard we'll, to you know we'll, we'll yeah we'll cast out and then let them reel it in or you know cook the fish and hand off the rod to them and stuff yeah um actually there was like you know there was some like roving bands of like some nice stripers last summer i wish i could tell you where they were but again i don't check my gps uh, <laughs> <laughs> they were in the That's water perfect. i know that where were you catching yeah. i don't know <laughs> i don't know i have no idea no and i'm not lying because i really have no clue where i am it was off the uh, blue house beat. <laughs> it was off the blue house yeah um and I had a group of just two guys that have come been coming with me for years, and we were fishing in the parker, and then we were getting some fish, but it was kind of like you had that draw, like, geez, I, you know, I know I went by a, a school the other day, and maybe they're there. And like I said, they were roving and moving around, and I just hit it right. And as soon as they were, they were just pitching out the mackerel, and they were the bass were just swallowing it, and these were all like 30, 40 pounders. And then... I had the dock on and I was throwing that out and it was just like, it was lights out. It was crazy. Aren't those the best days when you make that decision? You know, you're like, all right, this is good, but I think there might be something better. Something better. Yeah. And And that's always a tough call. I love the, like the groups that, you know, some of them were like, no, no, you know, geez, where's, and my rule was always like, you know, don't leave fish to find fish. I always, Absolutely. I, I constantly, I have that inner battle with myself every trip. I drive myself crazy. Like we're catching fish. The customers are happy, but I know there's a bigger <laughs> fish around the corner. We should go there. And it just you wrestle with that the whole trip. And then a lot of times I'll put it to a vote. I'm like, hey, guys, you know, geez, two days ago I was over here and we did really well. I mean, I know we're catching fish here, but it's up to you. And, you know, it, I'd say it's probably like 50-50. You'll get a group that like, yeah, let's go for it. You know, they run, they want to try. They're happy where they were, but like yeah. something new, something different. Let's give it a shot, Cap. You know, we you know, in Captain we trust. And. Some days you look like a hero, and other days, you know, you can always get the one guy, we should have stayed where we were. (laughs) You agreed to it, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm just like, it's nothing definite, but, you know, you get an opportunity to get, you know, your picture, your profile pic. Like I said, I've been doing this forever, and I still have butterflies and anxiety, like, the first week, the first couple trips. Oh, yeah. you know, it's a it's a new year. It's a fresh start. It's almost like teaching again. You got to refigure everything. Yeah, out. and and you're like, oh my god, am I gonna catch fish? Am I gonna find the fish? Is you know, is everything gonna work out? And and then you relax for a few days and you start getting into the groove. But then again, you start wrestling with yourself every mm-hmm. trip because it's your job to put these customers on fish. But again. We get so busy in the summer, we don't have time to actually go out on our own and try new things. And you don't want to experiment with them, but you're like, I know this might work. I want to give it a shot, but I don't want to risk. That, that's you know. where I'm like, hey, yeah. you guys want an extra 20 minutes? Can we can we try something out? Yeah. Like, that's how I play it a yeah. lot of the time. Yep. Yeah. And we'll do that too. It's like, yeah. you know, that our trips are like 8 to 12. And a lot of people, like I said, we're in a, a great spot where 
people call me on the phone like, well, you know, it's a four-hour trip. You know, how long is we'll be fishing? I said four hours. <laughs> and they, what do you mean? I said, well, we can have lines in the water within five minutes when we leave the dock, and then if the trip's over at noontime, you know, we'll pull up the rods at noon and head back to the dock. But again, I, I mean, I'm a 63-year-old, 12-year-old kid. Um, if the fish are biting, you I'm can't not, go back. I'm not going anywhere. No, but, you know, no. And they're having fun, and I'm having fun. It's it's kind of hard to say. All right, that's it. Blow the whistle. You know, we're heading back in. So it's you know. So I got a funny thing that I just actually thought about sitting here and talking with you, Pete. I have been on your boat before, mm-hmm. and I was on your boat the day that Chris ran out of gas. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that's I knew you looked familiar. Oh, that was that awesome. Was yep. He had the he had the brand new boat. He's cruising around yep. like he's hot soup, you know, yeah, like a CCRs blasted. All of a sudden, ooh, it was ooh. Memorial Day, yeah. and we were having out a blast and just driving around testing out the new boat and um it was a digital gauge which i had been new to me and uh, yeah it uh, looked like there was a, a voltage spike um something happened with the voltage spike and my my gas gauge wasn't reading correctly and uh we ran out of gas but luckily by the north jetty we just anchored up pete came to save the day grabbed dan off the boat he ran downtown and got some gas and yeah it was uh yeah so that's a true testament to how you guys really do help each other oh, out because yeah. you were even kind enough i took it was either your truck or your son's truck yeah. to go get the gold fill up yeah. the tank and then uh we got it done but it could have been honestly a real pain in the ass without without the help your help well just we spent the, the day in the bahamas last summer too uh mike fallon was out there and he was having issues he couldn't shift it and everything and it was like same thing he always he do he said it on the radio and it was probably i know i was there you were there paul yeah um um Parkers, Parkers. Was there. we're all and just keeping an eye. Within like 20 seconds, there was three or four boats surrounding them. Yeah, you know, everyone's like, you know, offering their advice and try this, try that. Parkers actually had the tool on his boat that Today, Mike right, needed to fix, fix it. it. Yeah, and it's just like, uh, you know, how many times have we like pulled each other off the rocks? Oh, yeah, or, or like pulled up to somebody with their engine up and got and got a line out from a different yep. angle. Or just, you know, looking around for each other's moorings. Mm-hmm. I remember my first boat, my Sea Hunt, um, I couldn't get to my live well pump. It was a little porthole. Oh, that's right. And yeah. it was it was way out of reach. And I used to be like, uh, Pete, you're around. I'm coming off the island. You'd swing down. And I just used Pete's six foot three arm to go in there and, <laughs> and take it out. And um, yeah, and then just helping out in the spring, you know, a mm-hmm. bunch of stuff. I know like John helps my father out with his Yamaha once in a while and things like that. And you know, it's just, um, it's a good community. Oh, yeah. It's a good community. Yeah. And you, you got to, I know Bob, I had an issue uh, last year and I had a bilge pump kind of go and Bob came, helped me and Parker's came like 40 miles an hour down through downtown because yeah. you heard it on the radio and, you know, everything was safe. It wasn't a big issue, but the fact that they just sprung to it mm-hmm. and, you know, everybody's out there to hopefully take care of each other oh, too. Yeah, because yeah, we're all, I mean, we're out there every day. You're always going to, hopefully, but I'm... Um, Every once in a while, an issue comes up, and, yeah. and like I said, it's good to know that you know this backup is is close. And when an issue comes out, you get a, a good network of people that somebody has dealt with this before. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And like we call and bounce ideas off each other. You know yep. how to how to rig it, how to fix it. You know what are some alternatives? So yep. that's always I've learned more about boats and stuff like that from you guys yep. than anyone could have ever yep. ever imagined. Yep. 
And, um, you know, which is good, too, because you get the mechanic side of you, too. Mm -hmm. You know, you get the fishing aspect, the customer service aspect, you know. And you're wearing a lot of hats. Yeah. There's a lot of hats out there. Yeah. So it's always good to have people who, who understand that. Yeah. Also a wildlife expert, because I uh, do have an issue down there with uh, raccoons finding their way into the cabin of the <laughs> boat. He's had that twice now. Raccoons? Raccoons. In yeah. your boat. In the privateer. They, some reason, they love the cabin. All right. You're going to talk about that. Uh, so... <laughs> The first time it happened, it was probably like four years ago, and um, I had a, actually it was I was lucky I had an early morning charter, um, and uh, again it was early in the season and we were still doing a lot of top water um, plugging, and Paul had a, a tray of like some nice brand new plugs in the cabin of his boat, so customers were on my boat and I said hold on one minute I'm just going to grab another thing of plugs just in case they they've been working really good, and uh, I opened the, the cabin door. And um, inside the cabin reaching, and all of a sudden I heard like a little growl, and there was like a 20-pound raccoon pissed off, angry in the corner of the, uh, <laughs> the cabin. So I went flying out, you know, shut the door, slammed the door shut. And, uh, you know, the guys were like, oh, we saw you fall. You know, what's going on there? Are you drinking in the morning? I'm like, no, 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 there's a raccoon. They're like, yeah, yeah, right. And I'm like, don't tell you, there's a big angry <laughs> raccoon. Matter of fact, there's a raccoon in there. <laughs> so I ended up, we did the trip, whatever, came back, and now I have to deal with this angry, pissed off raccoon. So you, where you took a trip on the other boat. On the other boat with the raccoon still in the, in the cabin. And then uh, came back, and a friend of mine uh, has a have a heart trap. Actually, I called some wildlife experts. And one so, guy, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. The boat is on the dock at this it's on point. The dock. I, yeah. I'm thinking it's like shrink wrapped in the back. Yeah. Oh no, 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 no. midsummer. <laughs> this was like a, yeah, it was like the end of May, beginning of June. Uh, and uh, so I called a couple different places. And most of them, oh, we only deal with birds. But I finally get this one guy, and uh, he says, "Yeah, it'll be uh, four hundred dollars <laughs> to come down." I said, four hundred bucks." I said, "Let me explain this again." I said, "It's in a ca like a six foot cabin on a boat on the dock." I said, you know, I don't care where it is. It's going to cost you $400 for me to come down and look at it. And I was like, you know, I'm going to, 400 bucks, I'll figure it out on my own. <laughs> Could have so, just opened the door. <laughs> well, I did. I had it open. And I figured, well, I'm just going to leave a mackerel on the deck and maybe he'll come out at night and then leave. Um, so a friend of mine has a have a heart trap. So I go over there and I'm getting it. And the guy's 80-something-year-old uncle comes out of the house and he's like, where are you going with that? And so I start telling him the story. He starts dragging it out of the back of my truck. You don't need this. I'm like, I, Jim, I need to catch the raccoon. I'm going to, you know, put some bait in that. No, no, go up to Seabrook, get some firecrackers and a couple bottle rockets. <laughs> Shoot him into the cabin. He goes, that thing will come out. I'm like, that's not a bad idea. So <laughs> off I went to Seabrook, buying the stuff. You did. <laughs> and then I'm at the, the counter and the, the guy at the counter says, well, if you're buying these bottle rockets, you have to buy this launch tube. I'm like, well, I'm not launching them into the air. I'm just shooting them into a cabin of a boat. And the guy's like, don't care where you're shooting them, but by law, I have to sell you. <laughs> $400. <laughs> so next, it was like an extra two bucks. And then, so the guy's ringing me up and I'm like, you're not curious. And the guy starts laughing. He goes, I'm a bit curious. So I had to tell him the raccoon story. And I uh, went down. Threw them in there, and the raccoon came flying out. You shot bottle rockets inside. <laughs> <laughs> and the raccoon had made a mess in there. I mean, oh, I know. I bet you. Those things are gross. Uh, and then last summer, um, I was out, had a trip, and it was like raining, so my son's boat has the cabin and the hard top. So I'm like, eh, we're going to take this boat instead. We're out getting mackerel. And um, lo and behold, there are electronics on this boat. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the fish finder stopped working. I'm hitting it like an old TV set, nothing. And about 15, 20 minutes later, the GPS went out. The stereo stopped working. I'm like, oh, you know, some kind of electrical issue, but we'll finish the trip. So uh, there's a porta potty in there. Guys went in once or twice and, and used that, came back out. Four-hour trip ends. And uh, so I'm cleaning all the rods, cleaning the boat up. And I'm like, the cabin really smells. I'm like, you know. 
So I'm putting the rods in, and I look, the very bow of the boat inside the cabin, there's like a pile of like dog crap. And I'm like, oh. And then, like, my son has a dog. He brings him out of the boat. And I'm like, great. The dog went in there and went to the bathroom. Luckily, it was on, like, a, a little piece of plastic. Whatever, so I picked that up, brought it outside, doing that. And I'm back in. And I'm cleaning that up. And I'm moving the rods in there. And, again, I hear a growl. And in the corner of the cabin, again, is another damn raccoon in there. <laughs> so I had the rod. Wait, 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 he was on the boat the whole trip. The whole trip. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe, like... <laughs> I've experienced a lot of things on the water with my trips. I can't imagine what it would have looked like if the guy was in there taking a piss and then came out with a raccoon on his back. He just comes up, hey, Cap, I went down there. Something was growling at me. I don't know what it was. So I whacked the the thing with the butt of the rod and then dove out of the cabin. And same thing, uh, you know, we went and got some firecrackers and and threw them in there and got them out. I can't. So you you weren't worried about anything catching on fire in there with the fire? Oh, that did cross my mind. I was a little worried that it might, you know, burn it to the water line. But I, I love how your friend's 80-year-old father just was like, what are you doing? No, this is how you take care of it. This is how you take care of it. some shit up in there. Yeah. <laughs> Old school, man. That's awesome. Old school raccooning. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's dealt with this before. That's the funny <laughs> thing. Like, the raccoon, it must have been, he was in there, I don't know how long, <clears throat> oh, obviously the four-hour trip anyway, but um, he was up underneath the uh, the console where the steering is, and that's where all the wiring is, and I think he was just bouncing around on that, and he had pulled all the wires out. Like, every time we, you know, hit a wave or whatever, that's the next thing went. So all that's, your switches aren't working. Yeah, and, yeah, so everything was, like, all torn apart, and there was, like, raccoon fur and, and raccoon crap everywhere, so we had to bleach it and air it out for a few days, but... I got a funny raccoon story, not fishing related, but it's pretty good. My dad was actually telling me this a couple, a couple months ago. He ended a relationship with a woman because of a raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, you'll get a kick out of it. So apparently he was like in high school or something and took this girl out on a date and they went to the movies and they saw Children of the Corn. My father's a little jumpy. I love my dad. He's a little jumpy. So he brings her back to her house, I guess, you know, and she's and uh, was getting ready to like walk her back. But as he pulled up into the driveway, he saw the eyeballs of a raccoon just staring at him and he wouldn't walk her to the door. She's like, you're not going to walk. He's like, I'm not going out there. You're mine. He goes, I'm freaking out. I just saw the movie. I see these eyeballs. I hate fucking raccoons. I'm you're on your own. It. So he said, you're on your own. I go, how'd that go? You'll never talk to her again. Hey, if it wasn't for that raccoon, you might not be here today. That's right. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? Uh, oh, God. Oh, yeah, I talked to him the other day. I said, hey, uh, Dad, you requested, you know, we need some comedy hour on the podcast. He goes, yeah, people love me. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we get looking forward to. Oh, that's awesome. The podcast should be on Doc and the Boat. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a tough spot. He does. That spot's not easy where he's at. He's got this big rock right behind, right behind him, where he has to back up, mm-hmm. and it's just like if the tide's just low enough. You know, it's really hard to fit your boat in that little corner. Yeah, but, he's still on that the the little that one like two yeah or three that private dock there. Yeah. yeah, but I think I think she moved it or got rid of it at the end of last year. So hopefully, hopefully, so move the dock or the rock, the rock, <laughs> <laughs> the dock of the rock. That was a neat little area yeah. out there. It was a little too far up river for me, and I came back down to uh, to Bridge, which I actually like. I like it there a lot. It's yeah. a great dock. The people on there are great. The deck is killer. Um, well, you got a nice place to get a sandwich after your trip yeah. every day, too. Well, I don't and know. With gas prices and the sandwich prices yeah. there, I might be maybe making ham and cheese every day, but <laughs> Oh, we got to fire up that grill well, You did buy year. a grill, right? Yeah. I did buy a grill, but the second time I went to go use it, one of the, um, one of the feet, like, snapped off. 
Yeah. So now it's like uneven. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I've done the same thing. I bought, I bought a grill and used it like twice, I think, and then it sat in my garage, and I finally sold it at one of the flea markets. Like after <laughs> <laughs> the next guy, you can use it yeah. twice and then I get mean, rid it, of it. At the end of the day, it's more work. It's nine degrees. I'm getting chewed by greenheads. I don't know. I'll yeah. just buy a burger up there at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, having the deck right there is, it's like treacherous because it's just a, you know, you can't go there without, if it's like two, two drinks and a burger and you're 60 bucks into it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but it's good for the soul. It is. I mean, how many times this year did we do that? I've it is the, the spot of all spots, you know, you get to look, overlook the water and be at, yeah, it's, it, there's no, no place that does it better, actually. It reminds me of what Michael's used to be. Hmm. Yeah, Michael's, uh. Michael's was really cool before I was 21. Yeah. And then I turned 21 and it kind of changed a little bit. Still good, but I haven't been there for the for the nighttime scene as much. Mm-hmm. I know. I wish we had more restaurants on the water like that, like mm-hmm. like the deck and Michael's around yeah. here, because that's that's just an awesome, like going to Florida. I'm Florida. Like, oh, yeah. oh yep. that, uh, yeah. If you do that, though, you know what happens. What's that? More boats in the river. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, Christ, I can't even imagine what it was like in the early 80s mm-hmm. with, like, what the structure would look like around the river. It must have been so much open water compared to now, you know, not all the docks, not all the boats. No, oh, yeah, it was like like coming underneath the, the Route 1 bridge. There was, you know, like I said, there was just a strip of docks on either side. Nothing, I mean, now it, they come out and they almost cringe on, like, the, the, um, the, I can't even think of the word. You know, right down the middle of the of the river, or whatever the channel. 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 Yeah. channel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they definitely getting as close to that channel oh, as yeah. they possibly can. Yeah. Yeah. that's for sure. So, yeah. all right. So, out of all your boats that you had, which one has been your favorite? You can't say the Pocker because you're currently in it. Yeah. Um, God, it would it would be a toss up between the uh, actually the first privateer I had. I really liked a lot. Uh, it started as an inboard outboard, and then uh, I blew that motor, and then put a bracket on the back and turned it into an outboard. Um, blew quite a few of those powerheads too. But, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I bought a, actually I sold that and bought a 25-foot Seahawk, and that's the one I put the little tower on the roof. That was a great boat. Yeah, I, I love fishing that with that boat. Yeah, It's still in the river. It is, yeah. 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 A lot of my, uh, my, my past boats are still... Uh, Still running in the river, so. Well, yeah, you got that one. You got the uh, the sportsman, the sportcraft, sportcraft. sportcraft yeah, yeah, yep. that, that that one's still kicking around. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I really like the privateers. It's an absolute like workhorse of a oh, boat. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Your your one that you have now. What year is that? Eighty seven. Yeah, you guys kind of refurbed that, dressed it up, painted it, made mm-hmm. it look good. Yeah, yeah, it's a good little fishing platform. Yeah, it's nice. And uh, the same thing, we put a, a second station on that last summer. You and your Tekken Towers. Yeah, you, yeah. I got to have a little bit of wood, and then I got to have a you know an elevated fishing platform. Um, yeah, for those that are that are listening, like you, you'll notice a trend that the boats that typically we all like are all the three piece construction type boats, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all liner and cap. Yeah, and definitely makes it a little bit sturdier. You know, you can feel the hull is a little bit stronger put together, and plus the the amount of space you have with that tow kick room, mm-hmm. and then the ability to add rod holders and cup holders all over. Like, you know, I'm sure you get a million rod holders down yeah. the side of yours. Oh, yeah. I do too. And he does too. And I'm always same thing. I'm always tinkering and looking for ways to add more, know, add carry more gear. Like you know, less conspicuous, and you know. Get, it's like tiny house living. You're looking to fit as much possible as you can mm-hmm. on the on the boat. I got 18 in gunnel rod holders on my boat. Yeah, I'm thinking put, I'm going to put at least two to four more in yeah. in the spring. Yeah, and then a couple more on my leaning post, just because I want everything 
either off the sides mm -hmm. or on the side, like yeah. whatever I'm doing, you know, because yeah. I mean, there are times where we're fishing six rods at a time. So just being able to move them around the boat. And actually, I like it just having rod holders everywhere. So if you want to put the rod down for a second, you're mm -hmm. not running all over the boat. You got one, boom, right yeah. next to you. Like yep. mackerel fishing is mm -hmm. huge. Yep. You know, I tell guys, just pull up the string, stick it in the rod holder, and just work top down. Yep. Yeah. So. And then um, and then your trolling motor, right? Mm -hmm. You use that a lot still? Uh, I do, yeah. 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 Actually, uh, you were the first in the river uh, to uh, pioneer that whole thing. Everyone down south uses them. And then... Uh, we kind of all thought you were, you know, well, you're going to invest that kind of money and, you know, uh, you know, it won't work around here. The old naysayers like, no, yeah. no, no, something new. We'll never do it, you know. <laughs> Change and then, uh, what? <laughs> well, you took the plunge with me. We're all out there suffering and looking at Chris was really onto something there. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's been really, it's been, it's been a great thing for my fishing. It's changed mm -hmm. the way a lot of fish. It's just another tool in the toolbox. And like, like you know, we talk about oh, we're yeah. out there all the time. We got to find fish every minute that we're out there. Yeah, and things are constantly changing, and it's it's just something else that you know it, it makes your life easier. Yeah. Did you go with the Minn Kota? I Rodan? did. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. got the Tarova, the self, the one you do on your own. Yeah. Yeah. The same one. Yeah. Yeah. I think when I go for one, I'll probably get that one as well. Yeah. My next one. And. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just it's just it's great to see them start popping up on boats. I mean, all three of us have one, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's I just a, like even just just the bare fact of being a lazy man's anchor, it's like the best thing ever. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. It, yeah, it really is. I love it when we're mackerel fishing. Yeah, I've know? used it mackerel fishing a lot, and then same thing off the beach, you know, for, uh, for stripers and yeah. stuff. And it's like you can you know lock in on a spot, and then you can kind of just move it. You know, yeah, and I was saying in the last podcast too, like it actually, my boat gets going fast enough where if there's no wind, I can actually put the heading on and I control by myself mm -hmm. using the trolling motor, have my motor off and yep. then be able to work around the boat and do everything I want to do and just be able to fish yeah. alone. It's mm -hmm. like the greatest tool ever. It's, yeah. it's a poor man's autopilot. Yeah. You know? yep. Yeah. I like, I like it a lot. Actually, I just picked up a, a used one for the little 17 Mako. Oh, uh, nice. That I got to flip, but now my grandson, it's his boat. You know, so <laughs> well, he's still, how old is he now? Four? Five. Five? Yeah. All right. So he'll be taking it out in two years oh, by yeah. himself. He will. Yeah. <laughs> one, of the, one of those Murray kids. <laughs> I think they learn how to swim before they know how <laughs> yeah. to walk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, <laughs> he's into it, man, huh? He, he would go seven days a week. Yeah. If, if he could. If he's he, always he could. out there with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And he actually, he even worked a few charters last summer at four. Yeah. Um, and loved it. And, uh, I mean, he is not shy when he gets on the boat. He will tell you what you're doing wrong and, and correct you. <laughs> uh oh, uh oh. He's becoming <laughs> a captain awesome. already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he uh, actually he pulled in a 38-inch fish by himself last summer. He got nice. a 36 with me, and then, like, two days later, he got a 38 with Paul. So Nice yeah. going, Dad. Yeah. Now, I tell you what, I miss Christine. So Christine yeah. was your main mate for a oh, while. Yeah. 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 Yep. The world-famous Christine. Yep. We on. always wanted her to get a captain's license because it was like she would have been, like, the only female running out of the river. She would have crushed crushed yeah. it yep. absolutely would have crushed it yeah really fishy girl she, yep. she's in oregon now right yeah yeah yep she does fly fishing out there in the columbia river yeah i know i see some of her instagram pictures yeah. they're great yeah. yeah so but we miss her around yeah she brought a lot to the table she yep. had a lot of fun i worked with her on the party boats that's right we've had some, we had some really fun <laughs> funny trips up there goofing around <laughs> but yeah she, she's the real deal yep you know there's not I can't really think of too many women up around our area that are that are fishy that, mm. that fish a lot. Yep. You know, I mean, I know I get some that come out of my boat and things like that. Mm -hmm. But as far as you know, just women, I've seen a lot of women driving boats lately, mm -hmm. actually, which is pretty cool. I know, uh, yeah. So 
like to see some more of that. Yeah. Actually, there's a couple of women, I guess, uh, fishing out in New Hampshire that tuna fish. Yeah, all the time. yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess yep. that we should get them on here. I saw that right. article about someone who was a, she was fishing in Maine, caught like a thousand pound tuna. Yeah, brought it on the boat herself. Yeah, <sighs> actually, there's a girl um, from I don't know if she's in Manchester or runs out of Gloucester or Manchester, whatever, and uh, she's in the Honda program too, and she got a, she fishes by herself in a 21 foot Parker. The cabin model, yeah, tuna fishing. And nope. She got like twenty-five tuna last summer. Good for her. Herself, it's yeah. friggin' awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, God, I want to do more tuna fishing. Yeah. But I, I say that, I say that, but then you know, it's like with us, with us doing the inshore stuff. Oh, like yeah. we're always busy, we're doing something, and then sometimes when I get out there after an hour, like I'm like, eh, it's like right. long, boring days. I mean, I remember, and I'm sure you do too. And again, it had to been. 15, 20 years ago, maybe, when we had that, like, two or three summers with a, with a schoolie bluefin were around. Yeah. You know, like 40 pounder, 60 pounders. And it was, like, kind of like, you know, hordes of bluefish, but they were bluefin tuna. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, same thing. We first hooked up on them, and we had no idea what the hell they were. What, you know, what is going on here? The and gear then, wasn't up to snuff. No, no. Like, braided right. line was just coming out. Right. It was, like, it was new to everyone around yeah. here. I just and, have a hunch that that's about to happen again, yeah. to be honest. I do, too. With all the little ones we saw down at the Cape the last couple of years, yeah. you know, hopefully they just that bang nice. a little more. No- there yeah. seems like there has been some in Jeffries. Not to me, yeah, like... Jeffrey's where we go. Like yeah. there was a couple of days where they were just exploding everywhere, you yeah. know, chasing around. I mean, there was guys that staked their careers on it, and like that's all they did. They switched from like doing offshore haddock and cod and, and inshore stuff just to tuna yeah. like, for three or four years. Well, there's something about that fish that just catches a man's soul. Oh, yeah. You know, and you'd rather sit out there alone and not catching anything than try yeah. anything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those fish have probably caused more divorces and yeah. <laughs> more people losing their jobs than anything yeah. else yeah. in the world. Yeah, it's addicting. Oh, it's so addicting. <laughs> the classic line from my wife, why do you need so many rods and reels? You can only use one. It's just yeah. like, look at it, like, do I really have to explain this to you right well, now? <laughs> why do you have so many shoes, Molly? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. But you were smart. You took her out, got her on some big fish, and now she she sees why, right? Well, yeah, actually, and, you know, everyone talks about, like, you know, do you fish with your wife? Like, we you going out with your friends, or what are you doing? What, I think it was it was important for her when it got to the point, like, full swing into the season last year. It was like, again, you're going again, you're going again. And, and yeah, like, I want to fish a minimum of five days a week when mm-hmm. the boat's in the water, at a minimum. If I can do seven, I will absolutely do seven. And um, I had taken a vacation from work. And uh, there was a day it was just the two of us. The kids were in school or uh, no, both in both in daycare actually. And I was like, "All right, we're gonna do this because like she's got to understand why we like why I like this so much." So it was just her and I. We went out there, um, we caught a bunch of mackerel, and then uh, we started trolling the beachfront. And I had put a like a 38, 38 inch fish on the deck, and I was just basically re-rigging the bait. Um, the one that I caught it on was, it was the one that was all the way back yeah. and on the top. And, um, so it, everything else was up and I'm getting the, <clears throat> getting the baits in the water. And just all of a sudden I, I throw, I throw a mackerel in and, uh, like 10 feet behind the boat. It was like someone threw a friggin' cannonball in the water. Like it just <laughs> rips off, starts peeling line and I handed it to the rod and I was like, here you go, have fun. And, uh, <laughs> this particular setup had a 50 pound braid. It was like a cheaper star drag that I used for trolling. And um, the thing is just eating line. She's reeling it in. She doesn't know what to do. I'm coaching her. Obviously, you could see her adrenaline's pumping. And the fish comes on the boat, and it was a 40-pounder. Yeah. And uh, got an awesome picture of her holding it up. And then, like, at the end, end of it, all said and done, it was like, 
It's like, do you understand why I like to do this now? He's like, absolutely. <laughs> and that's funny, too, because her father is a big fisherman. He grew up in Rockport, right? Yeah, he did. He work, uh, he, he would work on uh, boats during the summertime. He, would, he, he, he grew up in Michigan, uh, but his family had a, had a home in Wales Cove, and they would come over um, every summer. So he actually met my mother-in-law on, a, um, on one of the charters that they had done. They would do, like, just the harbor tours and things like that. He would do the tuna fishing with his buddies and then do some, like, haddock boats and stuff like that, too. He was a mate. Um, kind of, he's really seen it all as far as uh, the ocean was concerned. So super salty guy. It's in her blood. Um, they didn't have a boat, but they would do a lot of, he would do a lot of beach fishing. Molly would go with him all the time. And she was a lifeguard, too, yeah, they so would, she's into that. Yep. They would be down at the vineyard for the blue fishing derby and, uh, you know, did all that fun stuff. And, yeah, so it was, it was nice to, like, show her like what it's like on the water right rather than next to the water yeah it's good it's a different vibe different perspective yep for sure and you go out with mary lee all the time oh, yeah. The, yeah, yeah i see we'll you guys out the there just have some fun you know get, catch a tie yeah you know something easy yeah you know go drift the mouth whatever yeah, yeah. she likes going down to like wingashik beach and uh down to ipswich and stuff too. oh do you do that do you guys oh, yeah. do beach days now yeah yeah oh wow yeah it was a lot of fun yeah yeah you got to mix in the beach days with the family like that's we, <laughs> i can't i can't memories. really hang on the beach i mean they'll go and sit on the beach i mean i'll be standing in the water up to my knees like you know scrubbing the side of the boat <laughs> yeah i'm the same way like, a little bit of work stuff, I, can't, yeah. I can't do it i can't relax because the whole sit, time yeah. i'm just gonna be like all right i'm on the i'm on the water i should be out fishing right now what yeah. the hell's going on yeah. no one's calling me yeah. like i gotta figure i'm down here i might as well try something down here yeah. i can't do it i can just never relax and yeah. just enjoy my boat in no. different ways but i can hang like on the boat and you know a couple of feet of water and yeah. it's actually it's kind of like a, a floating bar because you're standing there and just have the beer on the gunnel and you're standing <laughs> in the water up to your waist yeah. you know, it's kind of feel like you're in florida my yeah. parents go to a couple of those little coves down in that area. I yeah. won't say where because it's like their special little hangout spots. But like sometimes like on, on the late afternoon, like we've done it like it seems like Sundays, like I'll do two trips, two, four hours. And then like at like three o'clock, maybe zip right down to where they are, meet mm -hmm. up with them and have lunch and go for a dip type yeah. of thing. They got a good little couple good little spots there. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot yeah. of fun. Oh, yeah. 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 The water's super clear. So mm. You see all kinds of flounder and, oh, yeah. and crabs and stuff on the bottom. Yeah. So I will say on those kid. family days, especially like the weekends when it's like bumper boats when you're trying to fish, it is nice to go to some of those secluded areas and just enjoy yourself. You know, I'll have a rod in the water anywhere I go, a line in the water, but right. you kind of know when you are going to catch something and when yeah. you're not, you know. Well, I know sometimes when the weekends get crazy, and this is something, one of the things I learned from you early on, it's like, yeah, you might want to get out of the river, no matter, and find fish somewhere else. Yeah. Because it gets it gets a little crazy oh, yeah. there. Like you're on 128. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Whether it's the mouth or up river, or the flats, wherever you're fishing, it can just get too crowded. So Well, there's so many secret spots around here to the fish. That, <laughs> Dude, you know. we get like no water. <laughs> like our amount of water is like so fractured. <laughs> there's but, like uh, three places to fish and that's it. And everyone's the same thing. Are you following me? Why? Do you know why are you always here? well this is one of the three spots <laughs> and yeah. i've already been in the other two there was nothing to have this is why we're here yeah well you can i mean when it's, it's just when it turns on you can get one or two days alone you know and yeah. then day by day three everyone's there yeah well, the same it's like there are a number of charter cabinets that run out of the river and like i said we're all pretty close with each other and, and we all work well with each other but it goes to say that like you know if like you have the week or two when the fish are up in Ames or up river and all these guys that are sitting on the dock, the weekend warriors or whatever. And they know when they see like the caravan of like, you know, the six charter boats in a mm -hmm. row heading up or heading down or going to a certain area that they're, we're there for a reason. Let's load up and go, you know? Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, you know, the next day it's, you know, 
was once what, there was five or six of us. Now it's a parking lot. Well, but, uh, which which I kind of get too, because if you're a guy that's only going out there once a week, yeah, you know, you want to make sure you're having the most success that right. you can have. But at the same time, like when they come up there, or if there's just a situation where there's a lot of boats, not necessarily saying just charter captains or wreck guys, but just a situation where there's a lot of boats, you know, it definitely puts some pressure on the fish and makes things more difficult. And, you know, it's always good to kind of go find your mm -hmm. own little spot. The way I look at it is if there's a hundred fish and, and 30 boats, you, that's three fish per boat. Right. I'd rather go someplace where there's 50 fish and two boats. Yeah. That's 25 fish per boat. You know? Spoken like a true math teacher right there. Well, that's all it is, right? Yeah. You just take the information and, and play the odds. Yeah. Sometimes you can't, sometimes it's just too yeah. good. And yeah. Just gonna wing it yeah but um yeah i think that's just something particularly to our area because i know <laughs> i um we were fishing down in florida and i think i told this on the last podcast i can't remember if i said it in the podcast or before or after yeah we might have started taking notes on what we say in the podcast yeah, no kidding. <laughs> dude our last one was three hours yeah. with jay <laughs> <laughs> and uh but like I remember going tarpon fishing down in Florida, and like we pull up on on this flat, we're fishing it, and a few minutes go by, and the boat like probably three hundred yards away, like three hundred yards yeah. away, comes over on the other edge of the flat. That guy's like, oh, "Let's get out of here. It's too crowded." I'm yeah. like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, you're going tarpon fishing. A couple yeah, weeks. Down, yeah, down in April again. Yeah, we've gone four years in a row now down to Isla Morada, and we like we ended up there by accident one February, and uh, we've gone back. Like I said. Four years in a row, and I would love it. How'd you end up in there and by accident? Um, it was February vacation. My wife and I are both teachers, and um, my daughter, who moved to Oregon, works at a, at a brewery. She's a chemist, and uh, so we started doing like the brewery things or whatever when we go out to see her. And I booked like a three-day thing up in uh, Maine, uh, Portland, and it was like a brewery tour. And they pick you up at the hotel and they drive you around on a bus. So you don't have to worry about drinking and driving. And you have a couple beers at each one, and then bring you back to the hotel. So we're all set to go, and uh, it was like minus 15. And my wife's like, geez, you know, I'm, I'm you know, really excited that you, you thought to do this, but she goes, I don't want to go freeze. It's, and I was like, well, you're in a bus, you know, and she goes, it's still going to be cold. And I'm like, whatever. And then this is Friday of February vacation. She's like, why don't we just go to Florida instead? And I'm like laughing, like, yeah, okay, you're going to get, you know, hotel and airfare to Florida on Friday of February vacation when, you know, everyone in there, you know, brothers going to Disney and whatever. So uh, she got online and started looking around, and, and uh, she goes, well, if we go, where do you want to go? And I'm, I lived in Clearwater for a few years, and uh, so I'm pretty familiar with the West Coast. And uh, I said, you know what? I've never been to Isla Mirada. I've been to Key West, but I've always wanted to go to the sport fishing capital of the, of the world. Like, see if we can get, you know, something up in Isla Mirada. She got us hotel and airfare. And uh, it was almost like the same price as going to Maine. <laughs> no so kidding. So the next morning we were on a plane and flew down, so... And you found a guide down there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The young kid that um, he uh, had actually was by himself, and he runs two boats. And kind of like me and my son had three boats and two captains. And uh, kid grew up down there and, you know, very knowledgeable about the area. And just, again, he just, my wife comes with me on the boat, but she's, just, you know, she likes fishing, but she'll fish for a little bit, and then she'd rather just sit in the sun or relax or whatever. And uh, he was just great, like, with her, like, instructing her and showing her. I mean, he just, you could tell the kid really loved what he was doing, and it's kind of like, it hooked me. And we, you know, I just wanted to catch a couple of fish. I didn't care yeah. what I caught. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we uh, went back the next year, and then he, he uh, talked me into doing a, um, a trip up into the Everglades National Park, and we did oh. snook and redfish. How was that? Uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah, that's some awesome. Snook yeah. and redfish are yeah. both awesome species. Yep. And catch. then again, he's on a little 18-foot flats boat, and my wife, we did like the three-hour trip the first year, and then we were going to do a four-hour, and he talked us into the six-hour, do the Everglades, and she's like, well, you know, 
like you and my husband can pee off the side of the boat over. What do I do? He goes, oh, no, there's bathrooms out there, like in the Everglades. And he, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we didn't believe him, but we, we did the trip. And sure enough, um, you're driving. Like you said, there's nothing around for miles. You see nothing but just mangroves and snap. And then on the distance, it looks like this oil platform. Like, you know, what's that? He goes, those are the bathrooms. And it's just in the middle of nowhere. And it's like this wooden dock raised, like, 15 feet off the water <laughs> with two porta potties on each end. <laughs> no kidding, <laughs> yeah. really? Yeah. And they were That's like scattered funny. throughout the, the, the Everglades. And uh, so they, they can pull in, go to the bathroom, get back on the boat, and, and away you go. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. got redfish and uh, snook? Red, snook, and uh, some sea trout. And then um, that was in February, the first two years. And then I was like, yeah, I'd really, you know, come back next year. I'd really like to, you know, go for some tarp. And he said, your school teachers, right? I'm like, you guys have April vacation? You guys come back in April. Mm-hmm. Because it, you know, starts picking up then for the tarp, and it's kind of tough in February. We went back last year in April, and uh, it was unbelievable. But like, I'm, I was, like we are talking about being hooked on tuna fishing. I'm, like, hooked on tarpon. I just oh, it's so I much fun. can't wait to go back and do it again. Yeah, yeah. But it's isn't like, it nice, too, to, like, put a trip together like that and go down with no expectations rather oh, than, yeah. like, up here, you know, you like you said, you get that feeling, like, we have to catch the fish, we have to catch the fish in four hours. Yeah. But to just go down and, like, not really have the mindset that you need to catch, need to catch, but just relax. Yeah. Somebody so, somebody once said to me once, it's a lot different being the guy at the bow of the boat than being the guy behind the wheel, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, when you're there as an angler, it's, yep. it's a whole different perspective yeah. than if you're the guy in charge of the whole boat and the whole day. Mm-hmm. So that, like, when I fish on somebody else's boat during the summer, like, it's rare. I might get, like, on two or three other boats maybe all summer, and it's usually flanked by, like, the first trips of the year. A lot of times I go out with John to take use of his cabin, mm-hmm. and then at the end of the year, you know, it's mostly travel. I go fish with people down, like, Rhode Island. And, yeah. and, and the Cape. Um, so Chris has this f- funny thing, though, where, like, if he sees something, he's an opportunist, so he'll move a boat in any direction, no matter whose boat it is, if uh, he thinks uh, it's going to produce. I'm a really so, big wheel yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so we actually, when we went down to the Cape for uh, Labor Day weekend, like, so we were, on, we were on my boat, and we're fishing for the Albies, and then Chris just starts getting at the helm, getting at the helm. Finally, I'm just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away, Cap. Yeah. It yeah. took all about 15 yeah. minutes, yeah. probably, too, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm just going to stay right up here. You do what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> And sometimes I can't help it. Hmm. Like sometimes I can't help it. Just like pick something up, clean something off, move something around, stuff like that. Yeah. And like, I, you know what it's like. You're in your own boat. It's like yeah. it's like a part of you. Oh, yeah. You know, like you, your your mannerisms as you walk around the boat are so efficient because your body just knows how to move, mm-hmm. right? So when I go on someone else's boat, I feel like I got two left feet and like three hands because like nothing is like. I'm just so used to turning and grabbing stuff or, you know, I'm always clumsy oh, yeah. on other yeah. people's boats I mean, at first. Like, tarpon fishing, or actually, no, it was the, the year before when we were in the Everglades. I, I stepped in the guy's bait well. He had it open. On the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, not 30 seconds before, you were just pick it, you know, don't, you know, watch out where your step beat. I got the, the lid open on the bait well. I'll be, oh, yeah, yeah, I know my way around the boat. <laughs> Splash right into it, <laughs> standing up to my knee in the water. <laughs> what, what was the guy's name that you went that you go with down in Florida? I um, love here. Yeah, it's uh, Charles... Uh, Max Ma- Charles Maxwell Herzl, Charles. and actually, he and his dad and another business partner of theirs are. Um, he's out of Bud and Mary's, which is world famous down there. Um, he guides out of there, and he, um, him and his dad and a business partner of theirs, just bought a property um, down in Isla Mirada um, called Papa Joe's. It used to be an old, you know, fish shanty shack and some docks. And so they just redesigned the whole thing. They're going to be putting a bunch of docks in and a, and a restaurant and a marina facility. So 
they got all the permits to to go ahead with that and uh you know i i can't imagine the price it, it must be to do that kind oh. of work down there but yeah no kidding but what a great resource to have down oh, there yeah. i yep. mean that that's just like the best yeah that, the way they do it and the way they're able to do it down there it's so cool and it's year-round yeah which is the best part too yep and i i get the sense like the I mean, I've only been down there four times now, but it's it's like I don't think they're well. Number one, the people in Florida are a little more laid back than we are up here. They they are at a Florida pace, a Florida speed. I don't think there's guys that maybe a few, but not a lot of guides down there that are running seven days a week, two trips a day type thing. No, well, they they get to spread it out over three hundred sixty five days, exactly. not one hundred and eighty. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, like this this one kid that we went with uh, that we've been going with, like I said, the first year. He was by himself, but running two boats. He had a, a bigger, like a 24-footer, and then the little flat skiff, depending on how many people he had. And he was doing like two trips, sometimes three trips a day. But he was like 22, 23, just, you know, young and gun and, you know, and going all out. And uh, the first year we went with him, we fished, had a great time. We spent a little extra time with us because he was in no hurry to get back before his next trip. And uh, then we were at the, there was a little bar right across from our uh our uh, hotel so i was in there at lunchtime and there was another captain that he had handed bait off to kind of like we do around here mm-hmm. um that was already in there with his wife or girlfriend at, you know in the afternoon when this kid was still out fishing going on his second and third trip he was like an older <laughs> captain like ah, one and done the son you know? <laughs> <laughs> i'm having a fish sandwich and a beer and uh that's so. always a good time though like because i've uh, my parents lived in bradenton mm-hmm. and um over there on the on the west coast of Florida, we would I would always take the kayaks and go into the mangroves mm-hmm. and uh, seek the snook and the redfish in yep. some of the ponds there and under the docks. There was some really oh, good yeah. red redfish. To me, are kind of like their stripe striper. <laughs> exactly, yeah. it's like the yep. best way to best way to put it. Uh, but the snook fishing and it, it just the the landscape is so cool. You mm-hmm. know, you're throwing jigs into like mangroves. Yeah. You know, like oh, it's like you're getting throwing right things right into roots. But yeah. it's um it's a totally di- it's a different. It's a whole different feel yeah. because you have the warm weather, mm-hmm. obviously. You know, it's humid. It's Florida. It's yeah. tropical. Yeah. And it's awesome. And um, snook fishing is an immense amount of fun when they're biting. But mm-hmm. I've also had some days where it's just kind of like, where the hell are Nothing. these things? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, honestly, awful. And then you'll be in a kayak and you look over and there's like a billion crabs yeah. just like running around. It's like, oh, I think I know what they're eating. <laughs> but there's so many different species down there to fish for too like uh, again they're they're spoiled and up here mm-hmm. we have you know two or three things we can target especially in the newburyport area um i was just watching a, a fishing show on tv yesterday and uh it was a, a writer for like sports a field or something like that for his 50th birthday went down the isla Morada, and in he wanted it his goal was to catch 50 species and he did it in two days oh my god that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. I actually uh, was reading something the other day that they're actually going to have a uh, Goliath grouper mm-hmm. season. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, uh, they haven't they fished for in years. And, like, it's people, you know, fishing for sport and release them, but mm-hmm. no one's been able to keep one. And I think it's, it's going to come back. That, yeah. People yeah. eat them? Yeah, I mean, grouper's a delicious fish. I'm sure Goliath yeah. would be just as good. They're huge. Yeah. Imagine filleting that, that thing in the, the trip. <laughs> that, was the, that was the first fish that I learned that they have uh, cheek meat. Yeah. 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 So it's like a little <laughs> medallions that cheeks. come out of the cheeks. Yeah. All right. A um, battery's going to die. So um, we're going to wrap it up here. Okay. Pete Murray of Obsessed Charters, thank you very much for coming on here today. Happy to be here. All right. If anybody's yeah. looking to book a trip, you know, obsessedcharters.com. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, Pete. Thanks All a right. lot, Pete. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.